time to accessorize. Our favorite PlayStation 4 accessories. Hello and welcome to Triangle Square, the PlayStation podcast. I'm your host, Brett Beck, and alongside me, as always, Mr. Sawbridge is bringing you guys lucky episode 124. Nope, 123. We just, we <laughs> literally just talked about it. I said 124 and I knew immediately I was wrong. That, those are my favorite moments of this whole show, of the whole show. How many times you've looked me dead in the eye prior to recording and said 123 or something to that extent just for it to end up going? Yeah, nope, yep. Like, yep. I, and it's sad too. Like, we easily can keep track of what episodes what, not only just by looking, but by knowing that if it's an odd number, you do the thumbnail. And if it's an even number, I do the thumbnail. Yep. So. Uh, crazy. I think I just messed my glasses up. Anyways. Who are we? <laughs> <laughs> we are Triangle Squared, uh, a PlayStation-oriented podcast, as we will say. Uh, but we talk about everybody in the competition, how we think that what they do is good or bad in relation to whether we think PlayStation should take inspiration from that or whatever. But if you are not familiar with us, those are things we do. And you can find us in video format on YouTube uh, every Monday, 10 a.m. PST, 12 p.m. CST. If you like what we're doing over there, uh, we main thing I, we, we like to do with this channel is just it, whatever it is we're talking about. If you have anything that you'd like to add in, we love to hear from you guys. Um, but if you don't have a comment section to worry about because you want to listen to us instead of watch our ugly mugs, you can go over to podcast services and listen to us. Uh, and if you want to chime in on the show, you can do so by going over to our social media uh, websites. God, I can't talk today. Uh, that is Twitter at Triangle SQRD. There is a Facebook group you can ask to join. It's called Facebook. It's called Facebook. It's called Triangle Squared, the PlayStation podcast. A Facebook I genuinely can go can't to talk today. Facebook. It's a Facebook group called Facebook. Actually, does that exist? I'm sure there is. It's probably for admins only. I think it's probably the most obvious thing of someone going in and making Bookface a group. But, you know, past that, uh, if you want to <laughs> chime in to the community's take, which is where we look at the last episode we did and come back around and ask uh, our listeners for their opinions on things and uh, kind of go over them in our community's take section, which we get into before we go through the rest of the show, then you can do that. Uh, and let's see, last but not least. I'm pinning a thought. Go ahead. Oh, is that how you pin a thought? Yeah. Finger to your head? Pull the pin out. Okay. Yes. That's a good idea. Yeah. Do you, does that hurt? I, I would probably have some kind of disease if it did i'm just pressing my finger against my head okay uh yeah anyway if you want to find us over on facebook of course you can twitter uh, twitter you can and if you want to support the show in any way shape or form you can go over to patreon.com slash nartech uh, oh and of course you can join us in our day-to-day moment-to-moment chat that we have fun in um which is our discord link down in the description below but uh let's see starting this thing off the right way even though I've made a blubbering mess at the beginning, Saul, what have you been doing this week? What have you been playing? I'm going to pull that pin out real quick and then say that it's a million-dollar idea for somebody to start a website app called Bookface, in which you upload a picture of your face and people recommend you a book based on how you look. <laughs> I mean, that's not a terrible idea. But you have to think that somebody would have been smart enough to buy the domain of Bookface I'm sure they did. Because of the fact that it's so uh, close to Facebook. Somebody once said that <clears throat> for uh, every single letter in the American Dictionary, there somebody has a website domain with a lowercase i. So like iBook is domained by somebody. Mm. Like They're all owned. That way they can uh, squat on those domains for Apple. Absolutely. So then and the Apple thing is, to, is they're so cheap to just get and maintain. Yeah, it's like until $7 a year to the off, own a domain. Yeah, the off chance that Apple comes in and goes, hey, we really want that and you just go... Well, apparently uh, <laughs> you can't just sell it like that. Apparently they can they can take that away from you, um, even if you own the domain. Because 
the lowercase i with a name after it is too much like their likeness. It's from what I've heard. Really? Yeah, I don't know how true that is, but that's what I've heard. But anyways, I've been playing a hefty amount of Dark Souls 3. I did jump back into Destiny 2 just a small bit uh, just to check out this event, and I'm going to play tonight. We're going to be raiding, hopefully. And um, But Dark Souls 3... we got quite the clan going now. Yeah, we have quite the clan for Destiny 2 going. So for those that play Destiny 2, perhaps you're coming back uh, with Shadowkeep coming out now on October 1st. Um, way to spoil the news it did get delayed but yeah so for those that want to come back we have a a pretty good clan um that we we tend to play with a good chunk uh we have a total of 29 members in our discord and we all are going to be playing a lot uh there's a couple people like myself and brett who are kind of taking breaks um just to wait till shadowkeep comes out and jumping in to help out people with raids and other miscellaneous quests but uh, yeah, once Shadow uh, Keep comes out, it's it's game on for just about everybody. But yeah, I play. I jumped back in there and tried that out just for a little bit, nothing too much. And then uh, I've been playing Dark Souls three a lot. Uh, I finally accomplished something that I was having a great deal of fun with in Dark Souls three, and that is the SL one run, SL one fun run, and that is essentially when you play the game of Dark Souls three, and you never never once ever level up your character. You keep you start at uh, the class called Deprived, who starts at level one, and you go through. Oh, the that's right, because all the other ones are what they start at level five or ten. It, it kind of varies. Yeah, it depends on the class. They start at like uh, I think Warrior starts at like eleven or something like that. But yeah, like you, you pretty much you start Deprived, and you you essentially you never once level up your character. You spend your souls on upgrades, uh, uh, items to help you, like um, various resins and, and stuff like that to coat your weapons with. And it was really, really fun. Uh, I beat Soul of Cinder on Friday. And no, Monday. I beat Soul of Cinder on Monday. We got done recording and stuff on Sunday. Went home that night to try to take him out. I couldn't quite get him. And then I beat him on Monday, I think. I might have my nope, basement. Wednesday. Wednesday, Wednesday but Yeah, Wednesday. Because of reader mail. No, yeah. So when we recorded on Wednesday, and I got to Soul of Cinder Wednesday night. And then uh, I, I just could not do it. Uh, Solo Cinder has always been my the 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 boss. I can't telegraph for some reason, dude. I had a you know you you remember you had to help me beat him. Yeah, well, I mean, not even that, but it was just like when we got to the 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 speed run, the, yeah. the, the saw plays that never went to YouTube. That's where I got Is you. Is it still on Twitch? I don't know. Okay, well, we did a saw play stream like where I played through the entire game, and it was kind of like a speed esque run. It was pretty much just me playing us through as fast as I could. And I was on time for like right at an hour and a half, but then I got to Solo Cinder and uh, ran out of embers. And Destroyed I was like, "Destroyed you, yeah." yeah. It, well, yeah, it was just kind of like, "Well, I ran out of gas. I can't really keep going." Turns out I could beat him on level one, so I probably could have kept going. It would have taken the uh, fun out of a speed run, essentially. It would have probably been at two hours. Now, then you get the frustration telegram. Like, people can see your frustration, and that makes it more fun. Well, that's why, like, even <laughs> even Courtney said I should bring back Saw Plays. Uh, I should have done that for Saw Plays. And I was. I actually agree with that. I, I, I know that the thought process, at least on your mind, was somewhere in the mind of people may not want to watch that. But I actually think with those types of games, it's what people like about maybe, it. Maybe, yeah. Like, I will say that, like, I really did have probably 50 attempts on solo sender alone so that's a lot of watching me just run up like it's a lot of now you could cut the 50 attempts on the one boss down i wouldn't want to do that though i'd see i I would want to keep it all together so you could see like commentary during it because eventually it does come down to like i now know that a good donkey moment where you just cut 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 to dying over and over and over again well and i know the boss like the back of my hand now so i actually have learned to telegraph him through so much trial and error that is the only souls boss 
ever, 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 ever to do that to me, except one other, and that's Bed of Chaos in Dark Souls One, mm-hmm. and that's just because Bed of Chaos is a is a well, this is a PG uh, show. I'm just gonna, <laughs> this is a family friendly. Yeah, this show. is a, he, he's he's a dirty word, but I like how you named it when when you started it off. It sounded like you were going to sit there and rename the. You're like my, my Dark Souls Three SL One Fun Run. I expected to be like fun, a race for the cure. <laughs> Michael Scott. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But um, but yeah, like so. What I plan on doing is apparently it's easier in Dark Souls One to do it. But I don't have a ton of experience with Dark Souls 1 in terms of stuff like that. Uh, I pretty much... I, there's two builds in Dark Souls run or 1 that I know how to run perfectly. And that's a cleric using miracles and a pyromancer. So I plan on probably doing a pyromancer. And I looked into it for just a bit to kind of see if it's like what it's doable with. Turns out you, it has to be pyromancer because pyromancer is the only class in that game that starts at level 1. Yeah. So I'm already on the right track with one of my very known classes that I know like the back of my head, uh, hand. So it's one of those things that's like, okay, I'm going to kind of mentally make a guide out for myself and write it out on what I want to do. And then um, kind of just do that and i'm just gonna like the first time i go through it i'll be doing it for the saw plays so i'm gonna try to start that tomorrow it might be i'm gonna start recording tomorrow what i'm gonna try to do with that is i'm gonna try to record it all in one day and then i'm going to air that instead of saw plays happening once a week i'll just air it up like maybe tuesday wednesday thursday friday whatever however yeah yeah daily. break it up to yeah. it just depends on if sizable I can... episodes it'd probably be good you know because of the youtube algorithm and then we'll get off of all this weird talk i guess but is that you know you probably want to keep it somewhere in the in the ballpark of 20 to 30 minutes an episode oh, it'll be to... it'll be longer episodes it'll probably be like saw plays was which was 20 to 30 i think one was 40 minutes i think mm-hmm um, but yeah, so you guys kind of keep an eye peeled for that. I'm not going to make any promises that that's going to happen just due to the nature of work and stuff. But and Saul did take the capture card with him. So I there's did, a step did, in the right direction. I did steal my capture card back from Brett. So the, hopefully stole we can get your it all. capture card back from me. Yeah. So hopefully we can get it all done. But, uh, Brett, what have you been playing? Uh, almost exclusively bloodstained. It's so good. Get that leg cramp. Get a leg cramp. <laughs> Um, but yeah, almost exclusively bloodstained. It's so good. Now, you know, we had a conversation in the Discord about, you know, the state of video listeners just delight in this. Um, so I'll just stare at the camera the whole time intently. Um, anyway, uh, there was some talk in the Discord about, uh, you know, bloodstained and kind of where it stands versus things like Hollow Knight and whether Hollow Knight's better. And of course, that's all opinion. But I do kind of lean on the thing of, I think Hollow Knight's got originality going for it whereas bloodstained is very much tied in the idea of being and uh ego or whatever however you say his name um that's how i say it so um but you know it's like it's wanting to go after that traditional castlevania symphony of the night that everyone wants and now there's a great part to that for people who've always wanted more of that and haven't really felt like they've gotten it much in years this is it but by nature of feeling so much like something else that you've played while still having a couple of cards up its sleeve yeah um it does have a little bit of an effect of being like, well, it's just really hitting nostalgia in a real way, but it loses the unique factor that I think... Like Castlevania nostalgia? Yeah. and Well, and there's two things, right? The first thing about Bloodstained to me is that it's trying so hard to be Castlevania, but also trying to be a somewhat modern game with 3D visuals. But because of the fact that the game was kickstarted and trying to do a bunch of different things, they didn't really focus on visuals a lot, which is fine. I don't expect that. But by nature of it, the game in a few spots does kind of look lesser 
because of it being a 3D game, whereas Hollow Knight being essentially a 2D game with an art style that leans into the fact that a small studio did it, but the art style works and kind of fits into the charm of the project, it just looks like a lot of the decisions made behind Hollow Knight were like, these are the limitations that we're going to face with being a small studio and not having a dedicated art director and these things to try and do something more robust like a full 3D world. So instead, we're going to lean into it and make our art reflect the limitations that we had, which I think is a, one of the greatest things that game design's about is taking the limitations that you know you can't get around, be it because of money, budget, tech, or just inexperience, right. and then leaning into it and go, we're going to make our art reflect that in a way that ends up being a strength to it. And I think Hollow Knight's really charming and original art style looks beautiful to the game. It looks well done and intent. Like it looks like it was done intent with intent. And I think it was, even if that intent came from, um, you know, inexperience or whatever it is that they couldn't get around for that limitation. Uh, so yeah, great game. Love it to death. Makes me kind of want to go back and play hollow Knight, but I'm also trying not to Metroidvania myself out. It's possible. It's incredibly possible because here's the other thing. On top of that, I'm also playing whenever I go into my room every night for the most part, I'll watch, you know, something been watching some Black Mirror. If I'm watching Black Mirror, I try not to play games because it's something I want to pay attention to. What do you think to. of it so far? Pretty good. Yeah. There were there was the I've watched five episodes and of the five, the third episode, which is the one called the I don't know why it's called the National Anthem. I'm not gonna know these by now. I know, but I <laughs> but I can explain it to you very loosely and it'll be enough for you to know. A guy kidnaps princess and okay, yeah. has the guy with a crazy demand. And I just don't... The whole well, episode felt like it was just... Now I'm confused. Was it because of evidence? No. There's, okay. there's a pig involved. Yeah, that's the weirdest episode. I, for some reason, I keep thinking that's episode one. It's episode two, three, three. Okay, I, I for some reason, always think that's episode one. And I don't get it. Like, it, it There's nothing about... like it, it was, I guess, interesting to watch, but I felt like it had no message. Outside of maybe be careful, this is something that could just – the whole show is kind of like a technology can go out, but this is not a TV show podcast. This is a game hey, this podcast. Is, this is a little off-topic variety. People know <laughs> this. We'll be playing. We'll be up to. But, yeah. Um, so I'm enjoying it so far. I'm going to keep watching it. The episode that had Daniel Kalua, or whatever his name is, uh, the guy from Get Out. Um, oh, yeah. I love him. It was yeah, like, everything too. I've seen him, he's great. And it was the episode with like the five million credit or whatever it's called. Uh, I enjoyed that episode a lot. And I kind of actually like it. I felt like it had more of a resolve and a message. Is that the one in the prison? Uh, it's the one where it's kind of like meant to be like a modern slavery, but it's like people have to run on pedal boards. Yeah, that's what I mean. Are yeah. they in prison? No. Oh, okay. I no, it's just like a, locked up and no. It's just it's just well, like a, up, when you become of age, you move into that thing. Oh, okay. And, I don't and, know why and, I unless you can like... earn your way out of it. Okay. It's pretty weird. Um, but either way, uh, whenever I'm watching TV, be it Scrubs or. Hannah's been watching Parks and Rec, and I'll just kind of listen to that. And I've been playing SteamWorld Dig 2 again on Vita. Um, and just got to say, I still love my Vita. But by nature of that being something that's more along the line of something like um, Motherload, Super Motherload, uh, or, and really it's kind of like that, but you're just not in a ship. You're just a person. Spiritual successor, possibly. And it's kind of got, well, no, not really. I mean, they're all, Dig Dug is essentially, you know, I mean, it's the same idea. Yeah. But by nature of that and the way they go about adding things in, like how you upgrade and stuff to make it feel more fleshed out than something like Dig Dug, ends up making it feel like it's got a little bit of a Metroidvania feel to it. Not completely, but because of the nature of being side-scroller, you already kind of get that feel. You're moving through the map back and forth. You can't go certain places until you get a certain ability that lets you dig further in because yeah, the rock is harder. Classify that it's as got Metroidvania feels to it, yeah. but it's also kind of got like Minecraft collect-a-thon feels and stuff. So, well, yeah, I would even say that. I'm a little somewhere. worried that I may Metroidvania myself out by... I'm at the very end of Bloodstained. I've been trophy grinding here and there. Uh, Liam, thank you 
you for uh, helping me out in the Discord. He's been he got the platinum. He's been helping me with some of the smaller, easy trophies that I just hadn't bothered to look into yet. And he just gave me very quick ways to to do them. So it just dawned on me that he has a platinum for Dark Souls Three. Yes, he does. He could drop me all the rings. Yep. That's the only that's the only trophy that I don't want to do. <laughs> Assuming I'll he still the, has the game. Yeah, he probably doesn't. But I, I will literally get all the. Um, Buy him, and everything else. buy him the game on sale one day just so he can get you the The platinum. rings get me because the rings are reliable, reliant on certain NPC quests that are very easy to fail if you forget you're trying to do an NPC quest. Yeah, and you have to do them through the, through the length of the runtime too, don't you? Some of them, yeah. Some of them start like halfway through and you have to do certain steps and you can't go into certain areas uh, too far or it'll cut the quest off. Yeah, but, I got you. Anyway, I don't think there's anything else I've been playing, so uh, we can get this sh- to the show take. on the road uh, and go to the community's take where we asked in regards to last episode which was more of a free flow topic that we hope you guys enjoyed um as microsoft continues its shift from a traditional console manufacturer to more of a platform when do you think is a likely time for us to see games pass on other systems do you think it will ever hit playstation and would you like to see that uh one of the first things i said and i do think this is a pretty interesting take uh comes from mr rob henry over on our discord he says as i said before that's one of the only things that separates the consoles i think that it would be a huge loss for microsoft that being said i'd love for games pass still to come to ps now I think that I agree. I understand what he's talking about, and I think I agree to the majority of the extent. But I think it's really hard for us mentally to separate Microsoft from wanting to succeed in the console thing. I actually don't think that Microsoft considers that. I think that their goal is to eventually have this on all platforms. Yeah, because then they're they're getting a piece of the pie from everybody. I think that this is very much akin to like Samsung and Apple had a huge rivalry for a long time, and right? Yet Samsung and now are on Samsung Apple OLEDs are what is used in Apple phones yeah. since the iPhone 10. And that's like so they're still competitors but they're still like supplying each other in a way. Right. And like you see it in going back to gaming a little bit more, you saw at the beginning of this generation with Microsoft putting a Blu-ray player into the Xbox One, PlayStation does get a cut of every Microsoft or well, of every Xbox sell. And that's a really good analogy too because it almost fits the same um same ideal that if you have an Apple phone, you're a different kind of person than an Android phone. You care about diff- things differently yes. on your phone, which is the same that goes for PlayStation and Xbox. If you yeah. have an Xbox, you care about these certain features, these certain games versus PS4, where you know. And then there's an ecosystem involved too with the Games Pass. Yeah, because in a lot of, of ways, just like. We, we've seen the same thing in the phone market as a game market, right? The phone market has had the situation where Apple and Android have come closer and closer together. Uh, specifically, I'd say Samsung and Apple have come closer and closer together. But across the board, it has. And we've seen the same thing happen here. Microsoft and Sony both started in very different positions. Android and Apple started in very posi- different positions. But as they keep going, they start to borrow ideas from each other and kind of take their own idea on it. But it gives them closer and closer to a thing where yeah. there's only a few things that really differentiate the two platforms but they're things that people seem to live or die on right uh and that comes down to we're at a point where just like most apps exist on both platforms yeah and most games exist on both platforms but there's always going to be and with the ecosystem too it's hard to pull yourself out of once you're getting a good one so or one that you like yeah so So. but that's my thing is i guess going back to rob your statement the only i'd say is i don't think that microsoft sees it as a loss because their goal is to I think us, outward looking in, looks like their goal is to be on every system. Yeah, and that doesn't mean that they want to completely move away from it. But this is actually going to go into what LTB was thinking about, if I'm remembering it right. Uh, LTB says, "I think Microsoft are diversifying their gaming division to provide access across the board." Which is exactly that's what I thought. It's exactly where I'm going with this. Is that 
They have been open about sending their services to competitive platforms. It's a very good way to keep up their gaming division, uh, vi- oh, to, to keep their gaming division viable, and that is less likely to succumb to market pressure. And I agree. The they- easiest way for them to survive in a, in a market that seems to be being dominated right now by Switch and PlayStation, unless Sony takes a huge back step like they did with the PS3, seems unlikely that it would be that big, but it's possible. Um, Jim Ryan. Uh, We'll see. If there's a person, I'm just saying. I, I don't know, man. I, 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 he makes a, he says a lot of dumb things, but I have not seen him actually make a, a actual step. I've never seen anything come from him decision wise yet. That that's what I'm hoping. But it's hard, right? Because like Don Matrick said, the dumb like that's why we have the 360. Don Matrick was the same thing. He's yeah. a terrible person. Uh, and then now we have Phil Spencer, who's like the golden age of Xbox, as we discussed last yeah. episode, in terms of like their director. Well, in terms of keeping them exactly what Tabib just said, keeping them, the gaming division, viable. And the only way you do that is by companies like Mojang and, or however you say that. and Mojang. I don't know how you say it. I think it's Mojang. I don't know. But Minecraft company. I think, yeah. Uh, and keep the game multi-platform because it's a money it's a money cow. I mean, it's what you want oh, yeah. it for. It's cash cow. This, especially uh, now it's come back. Do the same thing by buying these platforms and then letting their games and their publishing agreements go through and saying, hey, Hellblade exists on all these things. We're going to keep releasing Hellblade on everything. Uh, you know, we, we just bought Take Two, or not Take Two, I'm sorry, Double Fine. Uh, and we're going to let Double Fine uh, go ahead and do all the things they already did because this game is already planned to be on all consoles with Psychonauts 2. So when you look at that, I, I agree. It, it comes down to what can Microsoft do to keep themselves. And 40 million consoles is nothing to scoff at is at it, all. Isn't Double Fine a, a chain of, of restaurants too? Like, uh, no. Oh, Mighty Fine. Mighty Fine, Burgers oh. and Fries. That's what I was like, <laughs> wait a second. Yeah, but I do not, I'm so, not aware of that. So has Microsoft ever offered for Games Pass to be on PlayStation officially? Not that I've seen, but, you know, there was that talk, and apparently there was some kind I of... I think Phil like, made a passive tweet or something. Well... The Xbox tweet or, or Twitter said, like, you know, if they would have us. I don't know about that, but there has at least been this thing where Phil somewhat corroborated uh, Colin's rumor that he heard from an industry uh, friend of his that there was a point in time where um, Halo was going to be on PlayStation, and Phil kind of corroborated what sounds like that might that actually yeah. was close to happening. Yeah, but then they both parties kind of decided against it. Dude, if if I could get Halo on but PlayStation, what it means is that if Microsoft is open enough throughout this generation, when they are more of an actual competitor, uh, as they transition to being somebody who can be on all, but if they were open enough this generation to even talk about halo being on playstation that means their biggest concern is not worrying about xbox as an individual platform yeah. and worrying about it as something that can exist as a platform across all of the content or all the uh, all the electronics out there well speaking and that of seems smart speaking of games that we were talking about in the rear mill uh that felipe asked us uh, the games that would feel weird with different controllers halo on a playstation controller would be or see and playstation prompts would be very weird weird to you but uh we got one more that well, we're gonna bring up speaking of felipe you didn't let me go through my segue oh sorry go ahead. Yeah. yeah go ahead he says on twitter he says well i think exclusives breed competition that makes better games and also keeps games uh from the left out groups timed exclusives sound better to me I see PlayStation being stingy for a few more years. Hopefully, they jump on uh, the crossplay train before they get before they get ran. I think I think I know what he means. I think like ran over. 
or like before they get ran ran off. Like I think before they yeah. potentially lose uh, even more. Yeah, PR. outside of what he means there, I, I, the majority of his thing, I understand where he's coming from. I don't know that I agree. I do agree with the first sentence for sure. Exclusives breed competition. The second, yeah, the second. And obviously, sentence, PlayStation is incredibly. They keep talking about how play how exclusives to them are more important than ever. The second sentence though is something I'm curious about with them being stingy because I could still see them being stingy early into the PlayStation 5's life cycle because well, what does stingy mean? Well, That's not wanting not wanting to. Timed exclusives is weird. We, we, we kind of skipped over that, but I want to make sure because it, well, it may go into that, right? That weird, because right? Stingy comes into the idea of timed exclusives to an extent. If we're going to really try and put that onto a gaming company, you have moments where a game that's always been somewhat synonymous with PlayStation in the way of Tomb Raider suddenly gets a year timed exclusivity on Xbox, Games Pass which deals. seems incredibly odd. Yeah. Now, the Games Pass deal, that's nothing. That's just a... It's a free game. Well, yeah, but I mean... Well, it's, it's, Free as much as PS Plus games are free, well, right? Yeah, you but still, pay for them at launch, free. But still, uh, but when you're coming around that, it still comes to the idea of there was a game that would be like as weird as it would be for Microsoft to go to Square Enix and behind our backs say that they were going to give a and it tech, excuse me, it happened on PlayStation side. I'm not saying that it's not an issue on both sides, but. When you look at a series that's always been somewhat synonymous with a brand, that would be like if Metal Gear Solid, whenever 5 was coming and going to be the first time it was on that console, uh, on, on an Xbox console outside of the collection that finally Two. hit 360, is that it, what if Metal Gear Solid 5 would have had a year exclusivity to Xbox? It would have seemed weird because it's not normal. It's like a lot that would of, have been really weird. A lot of people view Metal Gear Solid as a PlayStation property de facto just because of the fact that the game was actually an exclusive for on well, by well, second well you know third weird. party exclusive for a long time now that doesn't mean that the game shouldn't allow to eventually become third party well, it's but weird. it's weird when you do the idea of a time exclusive on a game that for many people kingdom hearts 3 if kingdom hearts 3 would have been a timed exclusive for a year on xbox that would have made no business sense no which is exactly what happened to rise of the tomb raider i don't know if you remember that uh that game did not sell very well that on game xbox also was like broken at launch too well, I played remember. it on PC, no problems. Really? Yeah, and now PC I, came about a month or two after the, the, the Xbox One version did. Somebody even ironed out. Uh, heard, and it was also a 360 game, I don't know I if you remember that. really, was it? Yeah, it was a cross, cross Um I heard really, like, lackluster. I do remember you playing that on PC back then. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but it ran I heard, fine, Look, worked fine. I heard there great. was a lot of problems with that game at launch. So I don't know if that fits into, like, a, a month later or if it's sure. a console-only thing. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, like, I, I, I think that we'll, we'll see the more and more. And I do think now that this generation is going to be cross-play in the sense of um, consoles. And what I mean by that is backwards compatible. You're going to be able to play your PlayStation 4 games on your PlayStation 5. I think the PlayStation 4 is going to stick around for a lot longer than people t- like think that it's going oh, to. Oh, it's going to ha- I think at it's going to have another, PS2 legs. Yeah, I, I think another at least four years minimum. That's, I mean, it's a little probably too much, but I mean, it's going to have closer to PS2 legs than PS3 legs. Well, think of, like, think of it. Uh, it's still... At the time of the PS5 launch, it's still going to be the highest selling console of this generation. Yep, it's going to have really good price points because the prices are going to drop to move in, so that you you know will get a PS5, and so then it becomes more affordable. Yeah, it has a great library of games, and then so indie developers and stuff are going to want to add, keep adding to it because they're still selling. Yeah, it's going to it's going to do the Vita thing so, at least on the uh, indie side for sure. Yeah, where yeah. it's it's on PS4 and PS5. Right, and, and then people who are just the late bloomers for the generations of consoles will just be like, I've got all these games left well, to play on. 
the crazy thing is, is that like with the way, and this is why I love backwards compatibility, is that you don't feel pressure to buy the PS5 when it comes out. You can yeah. still keep racking up PS4 games and then know that, hey, in two years, you know, after the PS5 is out and there's a sale on it, I can pick it up and play these games on it, and it works perfect. Well, and it works both ways, right? It gives you more of a, if you're somebody who wants to make the jump but don't want to leave behind the potential for games that... Yeah, you that, could just sell that PS4. Yeah, like, like, that's what I would do. I would sell yeah. my PS4 Pro. Perfect examples like Dragonguard 3. Uh, Dragonguard 3 came out once the PlayStation 4 was already released or at least right beforehand. Oh, okay. I thought uh, I want to say Dragonguard was... I want to say Dragonguard 3 was a 2014 title. No, December 19th, 2013. So it came a month after uh, yeah. the PS4 did. Uh, and the, my point being is that it was not on PS4, but it was a PlayStation exclusive. So you have that thing where I kept my PlayStation 3 because I have a backwards compatible one and I have the other one as well. It's kind of like, well, I don't really see the point. I never get rid of hardware. It's very rare. Yeah, um, I'm one of those people that like but if I cluttering up and I don't use that. If I would have to get, get the PS4... I wouldn't have been able to play the game. So my, you know, it gets weird, but I guess on that real quick, I guess I'm Felipe. I'm curious when you're talking about PlayStation being stingy, do you think he means in the regards of cross play? I do. Yeah. I could see that, but I guess it's hard to not want to think about the sentence of them being stingy and, and ex- have that being linked to what he talked about with exclusives and well, time exclusives. I, no, I, I think that's a, I think that's a cross play opinion there. And I, I think, yeah. and I agree with it for the most part. And I've said it before is that like, come on, we're at the end of the generation, make it clear that it's going to be only for the PlayStation four, not going into PS five. Um, well, or, just to give yourself time to decide what you want to do with yeah, PS5. And I mean, yeah. And just allow like, went over at least a little bit of the games, PR points right now. Yeah. And the games that everybody is wanting to play. Cause right now they do look like the bad guy for people who own the switch and the Nintendo who want to play these games. Well, you know, they've quietly, I, I think it looks like that because they've not made a real statement, which just says a lot about their PR, but I mean, they've come out. I mean, there's most of the games are doing it. Well, uh, you remember Wargroove? Yeah. Wargroove was not going to release on PlayStation and it didn't at launch because of the fact that crossplay wasn't supported. And then eventually the game's coming out. now yeah. because um, crossplay is supported. I thought it came Rocket out, League's getting it. I it came out in June. Maybe it did. I don't. Think I don't read so. the drop anymore. So hey, I'm not up to date on the games coming out in terms of uh, littler games like that. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I agree, and I think that it, it is important that time exclusives are going to be something I think we're going to see a lot more of going into next gen. And well, that was loud. That was PlayStation Four just says 2019 right now. So okay. the game is coming. But what I mean by that is that PlayStation is essentially they gave that beta thing where they talked about Fortnite being pretty much the only game, and then from there it gets to the point where They've almost silently just kind of said, like, we're doing crossplay. I think a lot of As people, long as we think the game is worth it. I think so it's not a de facto rule, but Rocket League has it. Fortnite well, has it. There was a game, I think Game Informer. Call of Duty Modern Warfare is about to have it. There was either so. a Game Informer or IGN interview with Sean Layden where he pretty much said, like, we're open to crossplay. Ask us and we'll do it. And then... That's what started the immediate backlash. That wasn't the Fortnite thing. It wasn't. An, it wasn't an interview as much as it was. It was something that happened at a games conference, and they well, were having a sit down and talk. And he mentioned it because I, someone asked him about it. A panel, then I guess. Yeah. Like I consider yeah. that an interview, a de facto interview. I guess. But uh, let's let's get to the news. There's a lot. We got to roll through it kind of quickly. Yep. Speaking of the news, if you want to keep up with the news, and head over to our partnered website that we're with, FinalWeapon.net, and uh, check those things out. You can see some of this news before it gets there. Uh, before before this, if you care about that uh, if you're somebody who wants to be up to date you can go over there read good opinion articles that they have uh, of course news if you want to keep up with that just go check them out they're a great website and we are really appreciative of the partnership that we have with them so <laughs> saw didn't eat enough bananas for coming over here oh lord I, we don't have any pickles here i don't think I know, you're not a pickle family. That's okay. no hannah is hannah loves pickles oh. just, we don't normally keep them because i won't kiss her if she has pickle breath <laughs> 
<laughs> Note to self, if you don't want Brett to kiss you, just don't eat pickles. Just eat pickles if you I mean, don't yeah, want me to kiss yeah. you. Yeah. Anyway, uh, first things first, and I think this is important, starting on a high note, PlayStation 4 has officially hit 100 million units shipped. Not only is this the Sony's third console to do so, with the PS3 being the only outlier at around like 87 million uh, that was sold, uh, but they also did it quicker than any other console before it at just five years and seven months. Just for reference, the PS2 held that spot previously with five years and nine months. And if I remember right, the Wii is the other one. Um, and I think the Wii did it in six years six, and eight months. I think, yeah. I know if I'm not six mistaken. years. Um, um, so, yeah, pretty that quickly. That had a killer life. Dude, the Wii bloomed very late. You know what would have been the most successful version? Weirdly. But of, then it also, as soon as it bloomed, it died. <laughs> well, no, that's the thing. They came out with the Wii Mini. Uh-huh. It was the little red and black one. That, that removed was, ga- uh, GameCube backwards compatibility. Yes, dude, if that would have kept GameCube, dude, that it would still be selling to this day. And it was very cheap, so yeah. A hundred bucks. Yeah. And that was at launch that came with Mario Kart and a motion wheel, and then yep. it dropped to like 50 dollars at target i remember Good seeing Lord. it clearance out at target for 50 bucks all right next thing up dragon ball fighters continues to add characters with janimba and gogeta super saiyan god super saiyan i hate that name <laughs> being the newest addition to the roster janimba comes august 8th for anybody who cares and with gogeta they just announced that he's simply quote coming soon end quote um so yeah that's pretty cool janimba is one of saul's favorite villains it but is. saul did you even pick up did you play fighters at all no it's a weird game like it's it good. looks like yeah, it looks like a Marvel versus Capcom version of Dragon it, Ball Z. It, it is good. It's not Marvel versus Capcom. It's better than that to me. Well, I'm talking about the mechanics. Mm, kind of. I mean, no, really, third it, party it's way it more. Out. It's way more like their Guilty Gear series. At the same, the the, the developers behind isn't that Exceed? No, I mean Exceed's the publisher. Uh, the developer is Good Lord. I wish I would have thought. Why about did I it. think Exceed was a developer? But no, I, I never played it. And it's killing me that I can't. It's think one of the those name. things that like I kind of want to pick it up. Arc on, System works. I kind of want to pick it up on the Switch. Yeah, it'd be a kind of cool game to have on the Switch. Sure. But I also want to pick up Xenoverse on the Switch as well. So uh, Seth was playing it on there. It looks like it works pretty well. Xenoblade. I mean Xenoblade. Um, Xenoverse two. two. Yeah, th- yeah, and those are fine games. Yeah. Uh, so next up. This year's uh, nope. oh nope. Next up, Square Enix recently terminated over nine thousand Final Fantasy fourteen online accounts due to breaking their rules related to RMT, which is real money trading. In case you've never played an MMO, uh, they urged the seriousness of this issue and have called for players to continue reporting such deals wherever possible. This is a weird one. I get it because technically it's laid out in the rules. It clearly says don't do it. It's for fairness and for a number of things. But at the same time, it does get to the point of. It's kind of easy. It's to, hard. It's it's easy to want to say that it doesn't really hurt anybody that much, but really there are victims. And the bigger thing I think is that real money trading can lead to potentially. Well, it you, takes business out of them. Well, there's that, but not really because they don't sell no. gold. Well, no, you can go and buy stuff on their website through Mock Station, like dyes and stuff, and then sell those in the marketplace. And then you can just put an ad up and say, "Hey, you know, black dyes." Ten dollars instead of you having to buy twenty or for twenty bucks. Yeah, no, I get you. I, I, there's so there's, there's a level of that, but a lot of this comes down to people who are buying gill. Well, and it also that's one of the most common things in MMOs. Yeah, is and people it, who buy the form of currency in the game. Uh, I can't tell you how many players that I have blocked because they have a message system on the bottom right hand of the screen that shows the world chat. And every now and then you'll get added uh, or whispered or tailed. I think is what's called as tail. Uh, and then it'll go like, bling, bling, and like it'll it'll sit there and blow up in your face with a sound, and then all of a sudden it's like, hey, one hundred thousand gills super early. Click this link. I'm like, 
Like, blocked instantly. Yeah, and see, you know, the way that those games handle is a lot different. RuneScape is always handled to where you just typed and you could just be standing in a crowded area because, like, they have the the general exchange, which is, like, their big banking. Everybody goes there to buy and sell things, and so people just stand there and go, buy gold, one million equals $2.97. They want, and I think you could buy, I, I think, Kiki, you have to correct me if I'm wrong, I think you could buy an item in the game that gives you gold, like with real one money. I would be really surprised. Most games don't do that. I think like there's something now. Like games a games will sometimes RuneScape for a small period of time had a system where you could buy tickets to do spins and you get a free spin every time you logged in. And the spins would give you sometimes you'd land on gold, but it was very rare. Uh, and you could buy spins, so technically you had a chance of winning gold by buying a spin. But it was kind of like and they took it out of the game because there was a lot of backlash. This was back in probably 2010, uh, maybe 2011. So. It, you know, that was before EA was even dealing with <laughs> microtransactions, well, pay-to-win stuff. And I think, I think what it is that I just now thought about is that when you purchase certain things, there is um, – you, you definitely get gold. Like, I bought a level 60 character or from – Or Gil. Really yeah, 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 Gil. Uh, I bought a level 60 character from their website because I was wanting to try out a new class. And it's like, I think, 12 or $16 to buy certain classes at level 60. And like <laughs> – Well, see, now, is that from Square Enix proper – is that what you're saying? Yeah, that's from the lodestone. So is it? That's what I was about to say. Is it not just like a uh, a, a skip potion or whatever that lets you just level? A, you know, you buy a potion and it lets you skip all the content, just level a skill up to pretty much. 70. Yeah, I think it gives you the weapon set that it's gives you the class or the gym that it, gives you. The it's class. essentially uh, analogous to Destiny giving you the item in the forsaken thing that lets yeah, you. Yeah, and it's l- never max level. Like it's level yeah. sixty when it's le- when I was playing and it was level eighty. I think is the max. Yeah. Then I don't know what it is now with Shadowbringer. I think about. it was seventy and Shadowbringer's bring is eighty. If I'm not mistaken. That could be right, um, yeah. But either way, it is an interesting thing. I think one of the other things is that, of course, people are going to get tied into potentially getting their credit card information taken by some uh, mischievous websites that are going to be involved with this. through the game. Yeah, and I don't know what kind of legality that gives them, but it's weird. Next thing up, this year's Call of Duty Modern Warfare, as we've already talked about, has been given a blowout of news regarding its multiplayer suite from levels of aim assist, team-based features new to the game, where like you see outlines of your, of your, uh, of your team through walls and stuff like that so that you have an idea of where they are. They're adding in some uh, things like uh, the ability to mount your wall to a corner or a windowsill and then lean, very similar to what cool. you see from things like Rainbow, Rainbow Six. Six. Yeah, um, They're going for i I'll give them this. Outside of Infinite Warfare, this is probably the biggest leap that Call of Duty has taken in a long time. Because Infinite Warfare was a big leap, but it was a leap in a direction that just people did not receive well. So they went back to something kind of safe. I think. And now they're going towards something weird again. What's more odd to me is that this is the second time they've let the same developer make a really huge change to the series otherwise. Yeah, and somebody, I believe... And it's the developer who last time made the big change and no one liked it. Why would you give them the go-ahead to do it again? From a business point, this just seems weird. Uh, but there's more... Uh, there's a 100 players ground war mode, which is going to... 100 plus players ground war mode, which is not quite Battle Royale, but something... That it seems close to it. They're talking about crossplay friends lists that will be um, integrated to your Activision account that you'll have, so that you can actually have a friends list with people who play on Xbox or PC and have that all in one area that's built into the game. And uh, most importantly, how crossplay will work within the game. So the game will divide lobbies based off of input peripherals, so that controllers say are paired with other people playing on controllers, and then mouse and keyboard are also paired with more mouse and keyboard. Now, because of that, so that people can't game the system, the game has it set up to where you are unable to change your input peripheral device midway through a match. So I think that's actually great. That's 
smart thinking of ways that people will obviously try and abuse the system uh, and keeps yeah. you from having to eat crow after a game launches and do a quick fix with something as simple as this. Um, so if you have any interest in that, you can go see. There's way more than that. There's things about killstreaks and whatnot. If you have any interest in Call of Duty, uh, go check it out. I don't know. I'm probably – I don't know if I'll buy this one. I'll probably wait and see. There's apparently some stuff going on with microtransactions in it that I'm not too sure of. Or so maybe it's currently going on with the current modern or whatever Call of Duty is. There's Black been Ops some 4. stuff about the about Black Ops 4 that I've seen, but yeah, not enough that, that I want to report on it necessarily. Yeah. Uh, but next up, Kinda the long-awaited Beyond update for No Man's Sky has a release date. Now, starting August 14th, all players players can download the update and take part in its expanded online experience, which claims to, quote, empower players everywhere in the universe to meet and play together, end quote, which sounds super MMO-like in execution. Uh, we don't know yet, but that seems like you will have essentially instances. Everyone exists in a world together, but then the game will take a certain group of you number-wise and put you in an instance, and then you'll all see each other. And then if you wanted to party with a friend, you invite them, and then you join instances with them, and then you still see everybody else, but all it does is pull one of you or the other to that instance. Uh, right. Very similar to what Destiny does and a lot of MMOs do. Um, if that's what this is, that's amazing. Yes. And what I love past that, uh, there is, of course, the ability to play the entire game in virtual reality, and they mean the entire game. You can it, Just say VR. Oh, yeah. Sorry. VR. Just say VR. It doesn't matter, but virtual reality is like what a, it is. That's like an 80s term at, that, at this virtual point. Virtual reality. Remember the virtual boy. The least Yucky. virtual reality like thing point. in the world, yeah. uh, but no, you, you'll be able to do that. They were talking about things like where you can actually like pull your multi tool out and then like switch it with motion controls and stuff. Uh, you can go up to people and high five. I bet them. that game would be really cool on Oculus Quest. Oh, dude, I don't know how it would work. Actually, it's, no. I'm pretty sure that game would be impossible to play on Oculus Quest. You think so? Mainly because of how involved all the online systems are in it, I don't think the game would be able to naturally. You really... can play multiplayer games online. No, you on can, but that's a whole different style of game, and Maybe. it's pretty massive. You're loading in a lot of textures constantly. I just feel like it would be really hard to do on the quest specifically because it's not tied to anything else. Yeah, but not being tied to anything would be really cool. Oh yeah, Fully it wireless. would. No, it would. I just don't know how it would work on a technical level. You'll never see me again if if a game can nail that. Elder Scrolls Seven. Nine, whatever it will be. But they're talking about being able to high-five people who are in virtual reality, too, and like point and wave cool. at them. And I was like, that's, awesome. that's pretty cool. As you can apparently as, use the most control to act as a joystick. So, like, let's say if I was playing... That's pretty cool, too. <laughs> with PlayStation VR. Well, never mind. It wouldn't work with PlayStation VR, I don't think. Because you couldn't use two... There wouldn't be... Maybe, I guess, with the move. Like, could you move two arms at once? Yes. So can I, like, be playing and then see somebody out in the distance just running around with their arms flailing, running away from something? Oh, that'd be hilarious. Essentially. Uh, it should. I mean, we, we don't know for sure, but with the way they're talking about it, that seems inc- inc- completely Looking likely. forward to see it, though. Because essentially, if you can go through the... If you can high-five somebody, that means you have to have individual hand control, right? We'll see more as it gets yeah, closer. Yeah, it could be an emote-style thing like Destiny does, though. No, no. It says, like, you physically can do it because you can only do it with other people who have VR. You cannot do it with well, no, people no, no. who what do I'm, not. What I'm saying is it's like you have to do a certain motion like this, like an upward movement, and you're not quite hitting them, but that then that triggers an animation. Maybe, but then... Why wouldn't you just have that ability to do it with the DualShock 4 without I'm just, VR? I'm speculating. You're right, right. I'm curious. Anyway, there's more that they are waiting to talk about games. as we inch closer to the release. From what I've seen, they still haven't talked about the third major feature that it's part of Beyond. So, I mean, that seems like before it comes out in about two weeks. If you die weeks, in the game, you die in real life. <laughs> This is the start. The true virtual reality of it oh, all. Good Lord. China Joy 2019 just came and went with Sony showing a lot at the show. Uh, 
as it continues to partner with local Chinese developers in an effort to penetrate the market there. Uh, the show saw updates to titles that we've already seen last year, uh, like Anno Mutationum, uh, Fist, which is, uh, if I remember right, it's F-I-S-T with periods in between them. It's essentially a working title. Uh, Evo Tinction, the weirdest name in the world. <laughs> and more as well as Sony announcing PlayStation releases of Breath of the Wild-inspired game Genshin Impact, which was already shown off uh, to be a mobile title and on PC as well, if I'm not mistaken. Yucky. A new action RPG called AI Limit. The dude, you need to watch his gameplay trailer. It looks pretty cool. It's Of course, it's just something that's still in the working points, but it looks very inspired by Nier, and they've said the game will have multiple endings, uh, as long as much more. If you want a deeper look at any of these games, go check out the trailers and more, as some of these games are due out this year for China, so it's unlikely that we'll see them over you know, any, time, uh, any type of localized by the end of the year, uh, and some of the games are planned for next year, but these are things that are on the horizon. Um, Speaking of Japanese-based games, Bandai Namco and From Software's Elden Ring Boy. first showing off with a cryptic teaser during Microsoft's E3. Uh, very similar to how they handled uh, Sekiro. Yep. Sekiro uh, was pretty much the exact same. Will be shown off for the first time behind closed doors at this year's annual Gamescom in Cologne, Germany. This means NDAs will be in place, and it's really unlikely, but still entirely possible, that leaked footage could make it out, but very little will come from this. Do not expect people to do so, coverage of real, because essentially they're going to show it to people to get feedback, but this is not to do anything in the realm of get... This is not to do any form of previewing or get companies to do media coverage in that sense. This is more about getting people to come in and try and look at how people react to the game and figure out what they need to do from there. So, so that for those that need to, like a refresher, one reason not to get super excited over this, you can get excited for it, but it's not always going to represent what the final quality or final uh uh, product looks like if you go and just think back to what Bloodborne like the leaks that came from Bloodborne Bloodborne looked a little bit different Bloodborne looked way much more of a Victorian werewolf game than it did at the release and there's even some of the the gameplay aspects of it too like there's um, gameplay um, videos of it that was behind closed doors with areas we never saw and yeah, of like course. So, Things are going to be yeah, cold. Keep, keep that in check. So, because I know I will. Uh, well, but I'm and, super excited to see anything else about it. We've seen behind closed door footage of the Avengers game that was not supposed to be shared that got leaked. So it's a, it's it's possible that we see something. But either way, it's exciting because it could mean two things. It could be that the, the game's moving along and we're and it's doing well, and they're just doing this at first just to see how things are going and. We already know that as far as uh, from software concerned, they do not care much to talk about games, definitely in recent years, until they're getting really close to release. Uh, they did the same yeah. thing with Sekiro. They did that cryptic teaser, and then they didn't really talk about it again until it was ready to show show the game. Yeah. And then from there, it was like, I don't think we have a had, release date. We know everything that's going on. I don't think they had closed doors behind that, though. They had they no, certainly I don't think had they did closed either. doors for gameplay after. Yes. But so. in between those two teasers, that teaser trailer, teaser versus yeah, the trailer. where this one's a little different. We All we have is a, a weird teaser. It makes me excited. Yeah, it's pretty There's a lot of rumors floating around about, about how it fits in the Dark Souls series, which obviously it doesn't, but it's really cool to listen <laughs> but to. But every it. game that comes from, uh, you know, from software has to be part of the Dark Souls. Well, there's a guy in Bloodborne that's a samurai that looks very, very similar to Wolf. I know. We've talked about it. There's literally a hunter in Dark Souls 1. Dark Souls 3. Dark Souls 1. Really? Yeah, There's one in Dark Souls 3, too. He's in the DLC that I never knew about. Chester, I think, is his oh, name. Oh, I never played the DLC for that game. Yeah, I didn't either. play the DLC for any of the games. Me neither. <laughs> as much as I love Dark Souls and Bloodborne, I've never set foot in any of the DLC. Any of it. Yeah. Next up, the creator of the cyberpunk universe, uh, Mike Pondsmith. Uh, oh, 
anyway, the universe that CD Projekt's Red upcoming 2077 takes place in will have a role in the game according to the man himself. So I, think, I find that pretty interesting. The game has been getting a lot of, I'm not going to say flack. It's hard to say. The game has gotten very mixed media coverage and people talking about it in terms of there's been people in the, damn, that is cool. I, yeah, Back to okay. Dark Souls 1. Weird. Um, but anyway, you know, the, the game has gotten a lot of controversy built up around it, some of which I, I – actually, most of which I don't completely agree with myself um, because I don't feel like we know much about the context of how these things are going. And I feel like people go up in arms really quickly about things that they see, though they don't understand how they play into the narrative or how they play into anything. And then the, the bigger question of for some reason it's impossible for a game to have a screwed-up world. And it's like, well, that should be the case. I mean, it's a – you play through these situations – because it's the art. It's the story they're trying to tell. It takes place in a crazy world. Uh, but either way, I find that cool, and I think it may alleviate some people's concerns that the creator who's in it, or the creator is going to be in it. So it kind of just, it should smooth some things out, but we'll see. Either way, it's cool. I mean, if I made something and it was getting turned into a huge game by a huge developer, I'd want to be in it myself. Yeah. So... Uh, next up, after some rocky months, the PS Plus free games lineup for August looks to hopefully satiate the feelings of a lack of compelling games from the service, with Wipeout Omega Collection and Sniper Elite 4 being the titles for this month. Although not a dedicated VR game, just in case you have a VR, uh, Wipeout does include a fully functional VR mode that you can play and race and do other stuff in. It's pretty cool. Uh, I have the game already. I'm not upset. It's actually a cool game to see. Uh, the games will be available the day this episode goes live, which is Monday the 5th. Go ahead and check those out and grab them if you have any interest. And if you use PS Plus. Next thing on the list, though, Sony's... Oh, actually, you know, before we go there, Saul, I am curious. You've been one of the biggest people I know, obviously, just in our own group of people that has had a lot to say about PS Plus. How do you feel this compares to the recent months? It's a pretty cool month. I like Ridge Racer. I mean... <laughs> Ridge Racer! <laughs> I like Wipeout. <laughs> Yeah. So well, and it's cool that you get you get a full game, and then you, in a way, you're almost getting three games because you're also getting a game that fully works with VR. Yeah. So and it's cool that while not a dedicated VR game, you are getting kind of a VR game this month, which is an interesting take. And I've always, a lot of people expected a, one VR game monthly to take the place of all the other P, the, the games that they removed. But well, and I played a sniper game on Xbox 360. Whatever one that would have been, it's old. There's and multiples. Those are fun. So there's Sniper Elite. And that was on 360. Well, they're made by two different people, aren't they? And then there's... oh, Just called Sniper, I'm pretty sure. I think it's... Oh, hold on. But yeah, like I love... Ghost Warrior. Sniper oh, Ghost yeah. Warrior. Yeah. And I don't know Sniper Elite. They're, I don't know which series is better or whatever. It yeah. has the most fan reception. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, super fun. Okay. Next up, though, Sony's unique-looking Concrete Genie from developer Pixel Opus, which, if you remember, was a team behind Entwined, which was one of the first games that kind of started that released now things where they come out on stage show a game and then immediately say it's available for free or it's available and not only that it was a ps plus title so if you had ps plus you could just download the game right pretty interesting uh but they finally have a release date the game will be available starting october 8th with an interesting pricing structure as sony has continued to play with all generation uh, of 30 dollars. the game features a vr mode which should be a great inclusion in case you are not familiar with the game or the name doesn't ring a bell its subject matter includes a kid who can utilize drawings in his world to overcome challenges and different things and I think that's cool. If even if the VR mode is just being able to do art on the walls, it's a cool in- inclusion. It would be cool if the game has a more robust VR mode. I don't expect too much of it though. Thirty dollars is great though. I like to it see Sony price. doing this again. 
looking at a game and not saying that we have to put it to one of the industry standards of 20 40 60 they go well it's not quite a 20 dollar game to us but it's not quite a 40 dollar game what do we do well let's see what it does at 30 30 hours yeah it's a good price point i like that less rigid pricing has become a thing this generation and sony kind of started it last gen but they've definitely championed it this generation so that's great. Uh, despite its absence at E3, EA has confirmed that the new Need for Speed reveal will be happening in the next few weeks with the CEO, Andrew Wilson, saying, quote, we'll take the wraps off of our new Need for Speed game heading into Gamescom, end quote. The game is intended to release in fiscal year quarter three, meaning somewhere between October and December, because you got to remember, fiscal year starts in March. So normally Q3 would be what we're in right now, uh, but... Of course, fiscal year Q3 is the end of the uh, calendar year. So, good thing. Next up, Borderlands 3 has gone gold ahead of its release date on September 13th. So, congrats to the team at Gearbox. Of course, make a game like that. It takes a long time. But, sadly, it doesn't mean that they're in break time yet. they got a lot of stuff going on for post-release support, like all games do these days. So, either way, good luck to them. It's got to be at least a little weight off their chest. How excited for Borderlands 3 are you? Fairly. Fairly? Not, not not super excited. Just due to the release window. Um, See, and we're about to get into the Destiny Two Shadow Keep. Yeah. But was it, re- it was it in regards to Shadow Keep coming? Like, were you pretty excited before that, or has it just been? An, it's a weird year for you. It's a weird year for me. So like, uh, I'm not super excited for it, but it just depends on who picks it up if I will play it or not. Yeah, I definitely. I mean, I really want to pick it up at launch. My intention, and now that Destiny did get pushed back a little bit, I should have time to do this. I want to pick it up, and I really, really want to play this with all four people. So I mean, whoever that's going to be, I'm, I'm curious. But if it can be uh, me, you. Kiki, Liam, or me, you, Corey, Kiki, whoever. We'll figure that out. Um, You know, I would love to see that. If you don't end up picking it up at launch, then maybe we can change up who's going to be playing. But, uh, yeah, I'm excited for that because I've never played any of the games online that way. That's all I ever played. Uh, Borderlands 1 was the only game I played, and we did all local co-op. Yeah, I played Borderlands 2. Well, I'll say that. All online. Do you remember on Borderlands 1 if it supported letting two players play on one screen and two players play from a, from a different console? I don't remember. I don't remember either. I never tried I want to say that one of the ways that we did Borderlands out at the old house was me, Jonathan, Brandon, and someone else doing two people on one console on one screen so that it wouldn't go into fours. It'd be a little easier to see. And then another TV set up with somebody playing online with their TV. It's a smaller TV being their own screen. I think it was just three of us. But I really enjoyed Borderlands 1 with everybody way more than I did when I went back to play. Uh, Borderlands 2, I played mostly by myself and kind of lost interest. Yeah. Borderlands the same 1 thing was happened. really boring by yourself. The same thing happened in Borderlands 2 when I went to play on Vita again. I was just like, it's really interesting that this game can run on Vita at but all. But it's just not fun But by it's yourself. like yeah. you lose interest really quickly because it's like part of the game. It's kind of like Destiny, if I'm being honest. You lose interest in Destiny unless there's other people playing with you to an yeah, extent. Yeah, for, for the most part. Yeah. Like it's fun for a little while, but and it's probably got longer legs than Borderlands. But either way, uh, while we're on the topic of Destiny 2, Destiny 2 Shadowkeep expansion as Saul's already said, was originally set for a September 17th release, which would have been pretty close to uh, another looter shooter in Borderlands, uh, but has been pushed back to allow time for more polish and fixes. The new date is October 5th, though Cross Save is still planned to release later this summer, and uh, Saul says he's seen a tweet from one of the developers that yeah, specifies by the end of the month. B or Beach, Deej did say this month, so in August we're beginning Cross Saves is the plan. That might get moved back a little bit too, but Either we'll way, see. the plan for Cross Save is for it to come out ahead of shadow keep yeah. which is good that's something that i think they needed let me do. get used to pc then he's already the shadow keep and that'll be perfect yeah don't put all that out on the same day 
Yeah, Honestly, if there was one feature that needed to be put out separately, it'd cross be cross-save. Save. Yeah. Uh, but this also sees a, a delay of the free-to-play entry point that they were planning, which is Destiny 2 New Light. It's also going to hit October 5th instead of September 17th. Uh, Saul has... I, I, and I already knew that this was going to be Saul's thing, and I do agree with it for the most part, but... <laughs> I, I just completely ruined it for you. No, go ahead. What were you saying? I was going to say how you were talking about that. For you... It's not really much of a bummer because it shows, as far as you're concerned, that Blizzard, or Blizzard, Bungie is uh, okay. Not Blizzard. <laughs> yeah. Bungie is okay uh, now that they're out of Activision's grip. They're able to say, well, look, we think two more weeks would do this game a lot I'm, of good, and I'm, we don't have an outer pressure. I'm really curious to see if this would have actually been delayed if they were still with Activision or if it were a launched buggy because they've had rough launches before. Sure. And I'm really curious. I don't think they've ever delayed something. Ever. Well, okay, official date? No. Well, but Destiny 2 was way delayed from when it was supposed to hit. That's, I'm now, talking about that, expansions. Okay, yeah. Yeah, because I'm really, really curious as to, yeah, because the whole Rise of Iron thing was, was well, a, hold on. a placer. I think, D, didn't didn't D1's first expansion, the, the Dark Below, wasn't it delayed by like a week or two? I don't think so. God, it's been so long, well, it's I hard mean, to we say. We could easily fact check that because that would uh, definitely been... Um, reported on but let's see it doesn't say anything well we're going to assume it didn't then so this will be a first which yeah. means that maybe it really is one of those things where they would have done it before but Activision wouldn't let them uh, Saul's going to go do something which I think most people can probably guess <laughs> while I keep going uh, the often talked about digital versus physical future that you've heard Saul and I talk about often on this show if you've listened for a long time just got to lean towards the physical or the digital side with ps4 software sales worldwide leaning toward digital last quarter 53 percent of the 42.9 million software units sold was accounted for by digital first of all 42.9 million software in a three-month period is amazing that's great playstation's doing really well there of course sony makes a ton of money off of each game sold or at least a chunk of money per game sold and that's pretty awesome uh, so of course they're making all their money they need to make off of that but it is interesting that we're seeing a lean toward digital uh, i think a lot of people will have things that they want to say like I, I literally saw somebody say in regards to when i first read this article um that this only is happening because of them introducing Steam-like sales, which to me is really short-sighted. I don't think that that's really true. If you think about it, these Steam-like sales, which don't be wrong, PS Plus in the sales format was definitely inspired by Steam, but back in 2010, 2011, nothing like waiting until this year. People who think that Sony's big sales that they do are only happening this year, no. They've been going for a long time. We get uh, Since the PlayStation 4 is hit, we've gotten most weekends we'll get some kind of a flash sale, or at least often every other weekend, something like that. Uh, and we get things like the summer sales and winter sales and E3 sales constantly. So this is not something that really has led to that as much as I think people just are getting more and more content with the convenience of saying, you know what, I don't really care if I actually physically own this, and I'm willing to take whatever risk may hit from the digital side and just for the convenience sake. I think some people just don't really care if they own a game that much past the time of when it's relevant to them. But I personally think, and I'm curious what Saul says when he gets back, I personally have an idea that there's going to be a large amount of people who are going to regret this, and a lot of them are people like Saul, in my opinion, who 
come from a standpoint of acting like they don't really care that they don't physically own the game because it should always be there. But if these services ever do go offline and they don't have access to these games and suddenly they're not able to have these digital licenses renewed or the system that's on dies and there's no way to re-download these games, all that stuff, I think that there's going to be a point where these are people like Saul just shared a screenshot the other day of him coming home to his wife having bought a Nintendo 64 and a bunch of Nintendo 64 games. Well, if digital had persisted at that point, and if you look at what's going to happen in the future, if there's a great PS4 game that you're really nostalgic for 15 years from now, you know, or 20 years from now, like we are from the, the Nintendo 64, it gets really hard to want to say that digital is the way to go. Uh, just talking about digital sales going... Uh, going up, up, up? Yeah. So last quarter, 53% of the 42.9 million software units sold were accounted for by You're welcome, digital. Sony. That's all me. But what I was talking about is something that I actually haven't brought up to you, uh, but I really think that I already knew this about you a little bit, but recently you've shown me that it's definitely still part of who you are, is that when you're looking at this digital future, the more people who do this convenience sake and go towards that, it gets to the point where 20 years from now, if you bought something digitally and for whatever reason, if the services go down, the sys and you aren't able to re-download the games or reactivate your uh, your license, or let's say that they put in a permanent license but only on that system, and your system breaks, but you want to go get another one because you really want to play this game. Yeah. That nostalgia kick that I've seen you recently do with the Nintendo sixty four that Annie got, yeah. uh, and came home with, that won't be able to happen. I mean, it, it that won't. is an actual thing. That I, I feel like there's a lot of people in our age group who are starting to lean towards digital. But if you ask them right now, would it be dope if somebody just went and picked up a Nintendo sixty and Goldeneye and Banjo Kazooie and Mario sixty four and people be like fuck yes. But here's the thing is that there wouldn't have been sorry a, for that by the there, way. Yeah, that was where it all. Not supposed to be on our Actually, family technically, show. Technically, PG thirteen. We get away with one. We of those. get one. <laughs> uh, no, but like technically, that still would be a thing because all I'd have to go do is pick up a PS four and a copy of the game. Well, that's assumed, but what I mean by that is as you lean towards what you're thinking of, which is the idea of being okay with a completely digital future. Yeah, I mean, I would go that by. That does stop it. I would know? go, no, well, I mean, technically. What I mean is the moment that they, they stop making. We're talking about making, 20 years from now to today. So, like, yeah, if I was going to go by Specifically PS4, right now. But you've even said before that you're okay with the idea. Like, if they stop making physical copies today. Well, there'd be a way be for okay. it to be supported. Like, if, if I could, if somebody told me, like, hey, your Switch now goes uh, supports Nintendo 64 games, it wouldn't be any different than playing them there versus Nintendo well, yeah, to an extent, right? Yeah, it, and I don't think any... It, it gets hard because I, one of the things that happens, and I think that you probably know, is that a lot of people have complained about the way that Nintendo... That Nintendo uh, NES, <laughs> NES and SNES have, have emulated. They say that the emulation is not right, doesn't look right, doesn't feel right, has a delay. Has no, a no, no, no. I There's, said that against PlayStation. No, not, not you. Classic. No, not oh, you. Okay. I'm saying people. There's and I have heard people say that the those. way the PlayStation 1 emulates. Yeah. And I'm not talking about the NES Classic, to be fair, because the NES Classic was built on the hardware of the original. I don't know if you're aware of yeah. that or not. And the PlayStation Classic was not. not yeah. Um, I thought you were saying this. But no, people who have dealt with emulation of... Game Boy, NES, and SNES, be it on PSP or PCs or anything like that, a lot of people said that emulation of those is very hard to do. And if the Switch is coming into maybe it, to, the maybe thing about the Switch do. is it would it would not be based on the hardware. It would have to be emulation. Well, and you're also, seeing that now. Have you played any of the... Uh, Nintendo the, has their What's own it called? Software. Netflix or whatever? It's not called Netflix. Uh, it's, it's something. What are, the, what are you going to go into the SNES games on Switch? It's NES games. Is that all it's called? No, no, I'm saying it's NES games. Like, well, yeah. It's not SNES. Well, even then, okay, it, it's NES. But is it called Netflix? I don't know. I, I deleted the icon because I don't care until they start releasing some Super Nintendo games, which I actually think they have done at least one or two of, I think. But they would have their own software engineers for that. Netflix is what it says. No, it's not. Is it really called Nestflix? Well, I've heard the first time I ever heard anybody say it was uh, Corey, one of our friends and community members. I think and patrons. I think that's slang. 
But yeah, like I mean, to, to be fair, I don't know for an all digital future to happen, they're not gonna they're not gonna shove you into it. It's gonna have to be, uh, it's yeah, gonna have to be the way of the consumer to get there. And then once you have it there, you're not gonna just delete games out of existence forever. They'll come back. They'll well, be re-released. They can. And uh, and the only reason I say that, and then we can kind of, I mean, it, we go as far as we want to on this. But you know, we one of the things we talked about last week, ironically enough, before we were even recording, uh, was Dogma and the fact that right now, if you do not own Dogma already. There is no way to officially buy Dogma. Well, you couldn't ever buy Dogma widespread anyways. Dogma it, wasn't a wide re- release. Oh, well, it's had issues be- for a number of reasons past that, but it's literally at the point where now it cannot be streamed, it cannot be bought digitally, well, I'm just saying, that's it not, cannot be that's re-released That's not the greatest physically. example because the, 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 what you're comparing to a game that you could go pick up at Walmart, Target, Best Buy, GameStop, mm-hmm. you couldn't go do that with Dogma. You couldn't even purchase Dogma here. There wasn't copies sold everywhere across the United States. No, whenever it re-released on, D- on uh, DVD, yeah, you could. It, wasn't wide re- it was not a wide release for Dogma. It was it was limited. Now I know the original release was definitely limited, but both, I mean, Dogma's even been put on Blu-ray once. Now that once. I've never heard of. I'm fairly that positive. That had to be a short stint there. Um, but yeah, like, but it, it kind of goes into the thing though. It's like video games are a different media. They're going to easily be able to uh, re-release themselves into other systems if the architecture is built up for it. And that's what I think. That's why I'm so excited. I've never seen. And it's that. so rare that it goes for 129.99. Oh my god! Can yeah. you? But I don't think that games are going to have that problem. I think games, just as we still, we to this day, you can go buy. Well, like, think about licensed games. There are games that are going to have an impossibility. No, yeah, I'm not saying out. all of them. I'm just saying in yeah. general that, like, I could still go play NES games on my Switch, as you just said. Mm-hmm. So it's not an issue for something that's almost 40 years old at this point. I don't think it's going to be an issue 20 years down the road. God, I guess you're right. That is like, well, 80. Yeah. It's 30 Good years. Lord. Almost 30 years. Yeah, or, it's at least actually 30, 30 years. years exactly for the SNES. Good Lord. Yeah. And I think there was a three, four year difference, a 35 years. Whatever yeah, the difference something is. like that. Yeah, so like I don't think it's going to be a huge issue, and I think it's going to be something that if if it happens, that I still say that the nostalgia take. Uh, th- uh, this is where we'll end it, and um, this is more of curious uh, where when what you say will just be what you say. But do you really think what was the feeling that because you were literally super excited? You said that you took a picture, you sent it. I could yeah, tell it was. What it was, was the reaction that you physically had? We saw as much as we could through. Well, a, I, the I like walked. I like walked into the apartment, and like first of all, since we have a cat, we don't let. Evie into our bedroom. Yeah. Like, there's just, like, if she gets under the bed, she's a pain to get out, and uh, we only let her in there if we're in there. So, like, I walk in that day, I just got off work, and I and I see the bedroom door open. And I'm like, what is Andy doing? Evie's in there. I was like, she must be in there watching Netflix or something, and Evie's on the bed with her. And I get to the kitchen and to the hallway, and I hear Pokemon Snap music. And I'm like, oh, what is this? See? And I go in there, and it's all hooked up. And it's, it's cool that it's there, but that same reaction would have happened if I would have cranked open my door and heard Pokemon Snap music playing from a Switch. You, you, I mean, that's what I'm saying. Do you genuinely think so? Yeah, absolutely. Do you not feel but like the there was some is, kind of a fuel that comes from specifically seeing the 64 and the no, cartridges? I'm not that kind of. I'm not that kind of nostalgic. Not, the only, the only, enough, then. the only uh, point, way I point get with being that. No, I'm sure there's people that it applies to, but the only way I get with that is handhelds. Like the Game Boy Advance is something really, really cool to see and have, and the Game Boy Micro is something. Well, there's really, quite really a cool feel with that. Have. Yeah, which I guess that kind of turns in when you think about something like the 64. PlayStation's a little different. Their their consoles, their hand, their uh, controllers were mostly the same. Throughout Evolved, the time period. Yeah. But when you think about something like the 64 that's so weird, half of the nostalgia is tied into how playing Pokemon Snap feels on that weird ass controller. I tell you right controller. now, like, I, I, like uh, me and Andy were playing it. I took it. And I'm just like, I knew immediately how to hold it. I knew exactly what to do. It was fantastic. I even put in our group chat on a texting. I don't, you didn't get this reference because I don't think I've ever told you. When I said, Gavin, how do I get Moltres? Yeah, I, I saw that you put it. Yeah, that's, that's because back when Pokemon Snap came out in like, 
99 or 90 or 2000. Yeah. We were uh, in winter break, and this was right after the electrical storm. and Or electrical storm, but the, uh, the, the snowstorm storm. that knocked yeah. the electricity out. And uh, me and Gavin would literally, like, when it came back on, we were still out of school because, first of all, the awning at the school was destroyed. Yeah. And we could, no, they didn't have school. I would literally call Gavin up on our house phone, and we would talk for hours about Pokemon Mike. He's like, yeah, I got Moltres. Like, How'd you get Moltres? Throw pest balls in the in the volcano. I'm like, what? And I went and did it. And it sounds like one of those fake rumors you get told as a kid, and then it works. <laughs> I'm like, cool. And then so like me and Gavin would literally sit there and play with each other while I'm on the phone and be like, what do you do? Throw apples at that at the Charmander over there to lure him into the fire pit to make Charmeleon. Cool. And then when Charmeleon's running around, you hit him with an apple and he drops into the fire pit to make. What Charmander. a novel game idea. Yeah, dude, the game was great. Really weird. Surprised they haven't done anything what, back man, with what it. What was the name of that? How How Studio? Same people who made Super Smash Bros. Original. Bring huh? that back. There you go. Well, anyway, that goes to that. And uh, let's see. I think there's a little bit more. One more. more. Yeah, one more. Good Lord. Um, As U.S. trade regulations continue to implement higher tariffs on Chinese manufactured goods, Sony has come out to warn of a price increase in the U.S. territories if the government decides to move uh, forward with a higher tariff on consoles. The big three companies, Nintendo, Microsoft, Sony, have come together with a proposal uh, to the U.S. government as to why they should reconsider the tariff on this portion of the industry. Uh, And... uh, but it's yet to be see, uh, seen what will happen. Nintendo has already announced plans to move some of its manufacturing to another country in an effort to avoid these tariffs. They're doing so with the Switch Lite. They've already talked about that. But that's yet to be seen whether or not the other two companies will be doing the same thing. Just for reference, Foxconn is one of the biggest consumer electronics manufacturers in the world. If not they, the biggest. Yeah, they, they're responsible for an estimated 40% of all consumer electronics. And all their plants are located in China. So when you look at this, there's, there's leaks that have come. It's very bad. That from Boxcon, this is obviously the person who does the majority of these things. Uh, yeah. So this could be a huge everything. deal. Cell phone components, graphics card, or computer components, everything. Now, things can get done weirdly, but you start to add in more freight costs as you do things. One of the things is well, yeah, everything can what... still be done at Foxconn and then be shipped to somewhere else. Uh, Ethiopia, I think, is where uh, Nintendo said that they're doing their new uh, weird their new manufacturing deal for some of the Switch lights specifically for the U.S. stock. Um but anyway, what you could do is you could have these things still manufactured uh, at Voxcon, sent somewhere else, assembled there, and then shipped from there to there, can, and you don't incur the same. I could already see the memes of like the Switch Lite releases, and it's like broken or something. They're like, my Ethiopian Switch broke. <laughs> Good lord. I could be wrong on the on the country, but I really do think that that's what it was. That's crazy. Uh, so anyway, that's a weird thing going on. The U.S. is in you know the business I work in is furniture, uh, and a lot of furniture has some level of import stuff, be it the the raw materials that are needed to make the stuff, even if it's American made furniture. So this starts to get to a point where almost everything that we sell has a tariff attached to it, uh, or the tariff was there, and then they had to absorb that into the price, and a higher price was given. Uh, so when you look at these things, it can definitely have a big impact on the gaming thing, and it's really curious to see what's going to happen with this being right up on the tail of the end of the PS4 era and then coming into the PS5 and the next-gen Xbox, Switch doing the way it is. It seems like the easiest way to do it is exactly what Nintendo's done and just suck it up and say, look, the U.S. is a huge market, and it just is. right. Is. China's a huge market too, yeah. obviously, but the U.S. is a huge market, and you have to continue with this one way or the other. Do you raise prices and risk making people mad for something that you can't really control? Or... Do you take a lesser price increase without tariffs and just move to somewhere that may cost a little bit more to manufacture, 
but avoid tariffs and and be able to take the blow without much of a hit really and yeah, and just take the blow on the company themselves and then keep the consumers on their side. It's really a bad situation. Um, well, and it's weird because there is a you know there is a thing of like the the idea behind trade regulation gets weird in this is that there's a lot of stuff that China does that's really not good in yeah. terms of like. Copyright law, yeah. you can you can literally just copy something Anything. blatantly yeah. and sell it over there. And there's a lot of things coming into that, and there's a lot of things that get stolen from in, in terms of the people who are making these rules. Some of our business, it gets stolen or at least very dented by things that are happening from a country that has way looser regulations on those things, way looser uh, labor laws, way cheaper prices. Right. And it's, it's done in it's an a whole effort. Different, it's a whole different world. It's done in an effort to try and bring jobs back here. But as you already see with what Nintendo has done, it's, it's not that they're, they're not going to start manufacturing the Switch in America. It'd be too expensive and they wouldn't be able to pull it off. Instead, what they do to keep the consumer electronics at the same price as they've always been is take a very small hit to just move to a new manufacturing company. And it, it goes to show that it works in some areas and it doesn't work in other areas and that this is something that I think it's really smart that they actually tried you know all three it's, it's great to see all three companies come together over a common enemy yeah uh, in this situation for them uh, and be able to say hey this is why you should specifically think about us and this industry and how big it will affect America because gaming is quite big in America well, and we're, I, we're I, a very large market yeah and I hate uh, and I, I actually refuse to bring up politics and stuff in anything we do uh, just because it's a stupid wormhole that could just be potentially just annoying to have to deal with, but like I will say, well, that and this, this is one of those areas, right? And it probably you know what you're saying edges like, into the you, politics. It's almost it. impossible. This is one of the few times that politics specifically is yeah. having a real effect. And all I'm going to say is this is a stupid, almost needless thing to happen. So, yeah, this is stupid. Interesting. Either way, we're going to see what happens. I wouldn't be surprised if. There, this may be one of those weird things where Foxconn gets a real competitor coming up in a place like Ethiopia. That's I doubt that. I really doubt that's going to happen. Oh, I doubt it too. Foxconn, I mean, a competitor, sure, but a well, now I don't mean forty percent of the competitor. Yeah, like, though what's more interesting is going to see how much of the how much of the that percentage of what they get worldwide shrinks. I think that with this new with someone else potentially coming up, I would guarantee less than five, probably. Less than ten. Honestly, sure. if Foxconn was smart, they would just open a plant, and that's actually probably what will happen. Foxconn will probably just open a plant in another country and still get the business for themselves. Yeah, it's it's, it's stupid. It's stupid. Anyways, done with that. <laughs> On to the main topic of the show. I had an idea where I thought to myself, you know, right now we're in a very pretty much dead area of terms of PlayStation news and stuff like that that is relevant to talk about for a long period of time. So I was thinking of a more personal topic at hand, and I was uh, chatting in our clan Discord with Destiny 2, and we were talking about uh, my SSD because people that I play with on Destiny, we noticed that I load in way faster with them on on my SSD, and they were all like really impressed uh, that, that an SSD can even do that. And so it got me thinking, um, man, this is one of the coolest accessories that I've ever owned for a console. Now, that's interesting. What? I didn't know I didn't know what spurred the conversation yeah. in your mind cuz Saul came to me and just texted me before he gets over and says, "Hey, how would you feel about doing an episode about uh, favorite, favorite accessories?" Now, what gets really weird about that is that take the hard drive out of the or the solid state drive rather out of the equation, Saul already has countless more accessories oh, for consoles than yeah. I do. I, uh, this is more of But like, I find it interesting that you it, 
what this conversation does. Just leave it. I just dropped the cap. I'm making sure my foot wasn't going to hit it. Uh Oh. Okay. Anyway. But um, I want this conversation to have. I guess. I guess it surprised me that you consider an SSD to be an accessory. Yeah. But which I guess totally. When you're using it as a external hard drive, external, it's an accessory. It does become an accessory. Yeah, and so like that's that's what spurred it was. You know what? I have I went through the list of like things that I've had throughout the years for my PlayStation Four, and I'm like I've had some really really great accessories, and I really want to talk about those and what I think are my favorites. And then I want people to get for the community question. I want to be what is your favorite PlayStation accessories, uh, specifically PlayStation Four. I want to keep it in this life cycle because we get into some wild crazy stuff with PlayStation Three, and then that's and, a great thing too, right? It lets the rest of our community potentially see things they may not have seen, including right. us. Yeah, uh, and so we, you know you may pick up something that makes your life a whole lot easier and you may find something else like a uh, or like an ssd that makes it more convenient so um so yeah so obviously um i've owned a ton of playstation 4 accessories throughout the life of the playstation i've owned two pro controllers about 10 different headsets god yeah um, so uh, many headsets. The, the multimedia remote and um stuff like that so I didn't know you owned the multimedia remote, the PDP I, two one? Of them. Yep, two of them, because I dropped one of them, and the Bluetooth stopped working on it, because I dropped it. Like, and I, To be fair, I dropped it like from a fairly good height. What I was doing was, like, you know we have those fairy lights around our balcony doors? Yes. I, <clears throat> I was putting the little hook back up, and I had it in my hand, and I put the hook back up, because um, we were moving them. We were actually replacing the lights, because some of them had burned out. And I had it in my hand, and I was just putting the hook up. And then I did like this, where I had like it, where I flung it behind my head, and I just let go of it, and it crashed down onto my my uh, coffee table. And then oh, that glass one, yeah, and, and it didn't break the glass or anything, but that caused the Bluetooth signal, uh, the Bluetooth uh, transceiver inside of it to just stop working, or Bluetooth receiver, but um, to just stop working. But I would say I had the second one. Um, I picked it up at Target. Out of curiosity, how did it work? Oh, perfectly fine. My biggest question is, and I don't know if you've seen this. I could probably run and show you after the episode, of course. Um, the PlayStation 3. You, have you seen my PlayStation 3 one? I've owned one. Okay. So the PlayStation 3 one, what, did you own the official Sony one or a licensed the one? The official Sony one that was about that big. See? Was no, that the licensed one? That was a licensed one. Was it? Both of the Sony ones were long. They're about this long. That's about how long the one is. Uh, the original one was about this thick, and then about 2010 or so, they came out with one that was about that thick. Okay, so uh, and they're long, but they're they're full on multimedia. They have every button on the yeah, controller first of all, which is already weird. Yeah, uh, that's what this one does. Uh, but anyway, one of the favorite things I love about it, and I still use it for the PS3 that we have in the bed, or up until actually we moved the smart TV, but we still used it for the PS3 in the room um, as everything because what it allowed you to do, and it was a weird feature that I think a lot of people would be like, why would you want that? And there was times it'd come back to bite you in the butt, but if you hit a button on the controller at all, it turned the PlayStation on. And I love that no. because what you do is like, the controller just sits over on my side table or the remote did. And all you do is like, if I'm going like, so normally what we do, like the, the ritual going in the room is like, if Hannah's not already in the room watching TV and that's what we were both going into the room to do is like, it's on my side. I go over there, set my phone down, tap the remote, start taking my clothes off and getting ready to go right. and lay down. Get ready um, for bed. So it's like, it was nice to be able to do that. And then it was came down to where it's like, I don't have to 
use the PlayStation 3. You know, normally it's like, well, I have to turn the TV on and then I have to use a PS3 remote. This did everything. Well, yeah, that's the PS3 also had a feature that, uh, ironically enough, this goes into some crazy territory. The Xbox One still doesn't have, which blows my mind, nor the S nor the X. The ability to have your HDMI have HDMI control to where if you turn the system on, it turns the TV on and automatically changes it. I'm to so that. glad my new monitors do that because I literally, so okay, the Astro controller doesn't turn on the PlayStation, just like the, um, uh, the uh, what was it called? The Nacon Revolution didn't do it either. So you um, can't hit the PlayStation button no. and turn the console on. No, which is fine for me because my console is literally right, right there to my monitor. So like what I do in my room is I go in there and I pop, I hit my top of my computer and I hit the power button on the PlayStation. And then by the time I sit down, everything's up and loaded. The, the yeah. monitors aren't. I'm not pressing any buttons for those or anything. It's all on. Now that blew my mind because here's what I expected I think, when I bought the One S. I think it's because right? there's probably something that has to do that since Sony, it is licensed by Sony but not made by Sony. Well, I don't mean the remote. This is a basic feature that I'm surprised about. So no, I know what you're talking about. Basic I, feature on PlayStation getting, Three and the PS4. Yeah, I know. Yes, yeah, you hit, you turn the console and turns your TV on. Yeah, but yeah. for some reason, Xbox One X all the way through to the newest one still does not have HDMI control as in it, it. I thought it did. Does it not? Nope. Okay. And it blew because I had to literally ask uh, one of our former patrons and still a good friend, still good friend. Uh, Blake. Blake I had to ask him because of course he's an Xbox person and I was like dude it's not working and I was like is there not a feature to turn it on and I was going through the menu and everything I had to keep googling and someone said oh no HDMI control does not exist on Xbox and I said what a basic feature to miss out on that was already available on literally I think all three PlayStation 3 models, but at least the Slim and the Super Slim. Yeah. How would you not have picked that up by not only the base Xbox One, but the Slim Xbox One, and then the Xbox One X? Of all of them, the X should have it. And since I use mine, the problem I have is that I have to turn my TV on. If I want to pull, if I want to watch my Xbox now, I have to turn my TV on instead of my Xbox on. And what happens is it automatically turns my PlayStation on. Whereas if my place, if my Xbox had HDMI control, I could hit the Xbox remote and it would turn it on, not turn the PlayStation on because the TV would recognize what right. was turning it on and it would automatically turn the input to the Xbox input. Makes sense. It just killed my entire mood with that. Yeah. But yeah, the, I love the idea of the media remote because the PlayStation 3 had it built in where you could hit it, turn the t- turn the console on, turn the TV on, and then when it came time to go to bed, I could same exact. So thing. that's that's how it is on the uh, it's the it's a it's licensed by PDP mm-hmm. and it's the uh, it's the multimedia remote is what it's called universal multimedia. I just remote. heard a lot of people complain about it, but I think the complaints came really in the same thing the- for me of they expected something with the build quality and the extra features that the Sony remote had when Sony made it themselves. Yeah. I mean, this is a, it's a TV remote. Like it does a really good job of turning the TV on, turning the PlayStation on and then navigating, using that to navigate through everything. It's perfectly adequate. Well, and you said it was Bluetooth, right? It is Bluetooth. That was another big thing that I like about it. Hannah doesn't like like, my my, my Sony smart TV. Yeah. The remote is not Bluetooth. So you actually do. It's it's IR. You have to aim the the remote at the TV. She was so used to like, she could have her hand back here with a controller in her hand and she could just hit the button. And that, that is a nice feature. It is. It's very, it's, it's convenient. Yeah. And um, so like, I will say like the multimedia remote is one of my favorites. That's what I was thinking about when I was creating it. Do you still it. have it? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Like that's, we have, we have two playstations and one sits in the living room and that pretty much is Annie's for Elder Scrolls Online and for, uh, that's our general like browsing uh your Netflix Console. box, yeah, too. my Netflix, Hulu, Amazon, all that good stuff. But yeah, for like twenty or thirty bucks, dude, it's like it's perfect and it works perfectly fine until like I dropped it from like I don't know six and a half feet up to a glass table. Um, but yeah, thick it's, glass too. 
yeah thick glass uh and you know i don't even know if that's what if that's what it was i don't know if it because it still was connected it still like popped up but it would disconnect every so often and it would just like every 10 seconds it would connect disconnect connect disconnect. maybe the chip was somehow loose on the on the probably board. so um but yeah so <clears throat> what about you like what i've listed off a headset ss or a uh, remote to ssd okay so my main one uh, if we're sticking with PS4 and this by only PS4, yeah, this also goes by extension as PSVR, just because it's an all-in-one. Right. Um, the the stand I have in there that is for my VR. Yeah. Okay. So what I love about that stand, and I didn't even realize it when I was buying it. My thought process when buying it was: here's this headset. It would be really nice if there was something to put it on that wasn't just it being on a desktop or something. I like it'd be really nice to have it on something. Yeah. So of course I see this thing. I'm like, oh, that's great. I'll buy that. It has a spot to. I thought it was just hold your controller. I wasn't paying attention. Is it charger? Yes. Oh, that's cool. So here's the thing. I have for years now since the VR came out because I bought the VR on the thing the same day. My VR stays on that, and then what happens is it has a little plug that goes in the back and goes down to a little box. It's an AC adapter, and then there are two holes that you can just literally dock the uh, move controllers into, and it charges the move controllers, which is smart for VR. You want that, and then on the front there's a little cradle that exists that has a pop up mechanic. And what happens is when you pop it up, the teeth are removed from the thing, and this is why it's my favorite. Very specifically, if you have a VR, it's great. But even then, honestly, I'd buy it almost if I didn't have a VR. And be like, if I ever get a VR, it'll work for that. Um, because all it is is just a, it comes up as a tall tower, has a spot that's essentially like a fake forehead. You could use it as like a headphone uh, you could, holder, You could put too. anything on it. And normally yeah. what I do is the, the way that it exists, it's got – it's got the pad on the front that acts as a fake forehead, and then there's a connecting that goes all the way to the back so that you can actually pull the thing around and it keeps the round shape of it and everything. Oh, and okay, that's cool. So, and, and then what I do is because it has that little so the, piece of the plastic, ain't I just put my headset inside of that. So it, it acts as a holder for everything. everything that I have. Does it hold um, games too? No. Okay. I've and seen I'm a glad couple it, of those. I'm glad it doesn't. Yeah. Because it's, not, it's not like a hook. All it is is like, I could, I could go show you, my headset just rests on top. No, no, no. I'm talking about those like the base of the stand have slots for games. Yeah, I know, but it doesn't. Okay. Um, either way, what I love about the, the, the charging feature is that there are plenty of chargers for the PS4. Every single one of them, every single one of them, including the one that acts as a stand for our old PlayStation controller. Look. For all uh, video watchers, you get a good treat here where it's the old centerpiece. So what I hate about this and what I love about the other is very simple. You see that? Yeah. This is an external piece that you have to put onto your controller that is in the way, uncomfortable, and not natural to ever just do this. It never, ever docks right the first time. You have to kind of like look at it. And this has the same pop-up feature, but it doesn't work the same. So that's made by Power A. So here's what I love about that, which ironically I think is also made by Power A. I can't remember because it's three years old. But in the bottom of the DualShock 4, and this is something that I remember thinking it was genius of with the iPod Shuffle, the old one that didn't have a screen on it, right? Uh, the little iPod Shuffle Mini, uh, what it does is that you can transfer power through a headphone jack. So what happens is whenever you go on this other one, it's about half the size. It's only this wide. Does it take up the headphone jack? Yeah, but your controller is just charging. I literally I have multiple controllers, so this is how I work my systems out. Uh, I have the thing. It stays up like this whenever I take a controller off of it. But essentially, anytime I take a controller off of it, I immediately put another no, I'm one on I'm talking about the it. clip adapter that goes on to that. Does it take up the headphone jack? No. Oh, it, okay. it clips into this. It, gotcha. it clips in your microphone. I, was, I USB, didn't know if it was like if you Which I hate. It, it looks bad. It doesn't work very well. I, th- those, the, I don't really mind. I've seen, I've seen them. But the other one that I have, and, I'd, and I'll go show you if you want after this, but uh, what happens is 
the dock sits, and then whenever you clip it down, if you're looking at this, you can see in video, whenever you click it down like that, and it's only about half the size. Um, it's in the resting There's mode. a little thing that comes up into these two things. Yeah. And gives you a port. And what happens is, I don't have to have anything extra plugged in my controllers, and all I literally do is my controller comes and says, battery's low, I pause my game, and then I just turn, I don't even turn the controller off. I grab a controller off of the charger, put the one I'm holding onto the charger, hit the power button on the new one, and it automatically turns this one off and lets this one start charging. Man, I just now realized, game controllers have the potential to be one of the best wireless charging peripherals ever, because you lay it down when you're done playing a game for eight hours. Lay it on a wireless charging pad. Come back and your controller is always fully charged. That's true. But if you're not going to get to the point where we're with wireless charging technology, which is kind of expensive, uh, which we could go ahead and get into the fact that DualShock 4 is – I was talking about with Gideon on Twitter – the DualShock 4 has already lowered their battery capacity uh, to keep costs down yeah. because of all the extra tech that got added into this. I don't think anybody really – when the point that wireless charging becomes – we could also throw that in, things we want to see with PlayStation 5 or whatever. But the idea of wireless charging has come down significantly in price for that to be a thing. But on paper, the dream of just setting your controller down and it charging, it's nice. It really is. Well, I mean, think about but it. But if you don't have that, what it's, that is is a perfect alternative. Yeah, and I mean, for the PlayStation 4 who already has the poor battery life, that's something I love about the Astro controller, by yep. the way. Perfect battery M- life. Massive battery. Yeah. Um, uh, pro tip for anybody who wants to do it, if you buy a DualShock 3 battery and you, you take a part out. of DualShock 4, it uses the same connectors and everything, and plug it in, then you get a battery life that's actually really close to the original DualShock 3, which lasts about... Six and a half hours, seven hours. Good Lord, no. That one lasts seven hours to me. Well, actually, that one lasts about 10 to 12 hours. no way. Yeah. I, I charge my controller. I play games on average for three to four hours a day, and I charge my controller every two and a half days. So I, I get I get eight to 12 hours, depending on what I've been you know, through like a full off day of playing Dark Souls, and my controller will die, and there's no vibration in those games. Yeah, it's surprising. I, I've heard other people say that. I don't know why I have such good luck with controllers. Yeah, good luck, good luck. Um, but, but yeah, if you want to do that, it gives you... Uh, I remember I used to not charge my, my DualShock 3 but like once every other week. And it'd just be good and forever. And it never yeah. dies. And that's the cool thing with like the wireless charging, specifically with the lower battery life of these, is that you, you, you essentially, anytime you stop playing a game, you'll come back and your controller will always be fully charged. Every time. So then you only have to worry about if you play in the game for more than eight to ten hours. Yeah. Depending right. on how what the battery life that you have. Yeah. Get. And on your controllers, do you ever have you ever turned your LED light bar dim. down dim? Yeah. The okay. most dimmest setting because you can't turn it off because you know Sony. Now that's <laughs> a dumb thing too. That needs to happen. Yeah. But, but okay, so I'll get on to my last favorite. Uh, well, I have headset, so eventually I can bring that up. But you can go ahead. Well, I was going to say that that's what I'll end it on too. So I guess you can end it on a headset too. Um, so I, I mentioned the Astro controller, and it is a fantastic. Um, it is a fantastic accessory for being uh, a pro controller, but being $200 is just going to be out of most people's budgets. Uh, for what it is, what's coincidentally... I- I've held the controller, right? Yeah. I thought so. It's it's the, it's, it's yeah. heavy. I love it because it's heavy. You could swap the analog sticks around. It's perfect. It doesn't have paddles on the back. It has buttons, like little nubs that feel perfect and natural. Yeah, yeah. And they, and they, they, cur- they, they contour into the, yeah. the handles, too. Yeah, so like they, it feels perfect to hit. I use it for Destiny. I use it for speedrunning and Dark Souls to pull up my menu while I'm running. There's all kinds of things for it. It's perfect. I, just, I wouldn't justify somebody spending $200 on a controller. Uh, and 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 say with confidence that like yeah you're gonna you're gonna love this for two hundred dollars. What I will recommend you is a headset for two fifty, and that is the Astro A fifties, the ones I have with the mix amp. The, yeah, the fifties are the are they the wireless version or is that no? The, actually, you actually might have a good point. It might be the A forties. I think the forties are the wire. Yeah, the, the 50s okay, are so wireless. that's what it is. Um, but the mix amp and everything that comes with it. 
I couldn't tell you how many times that I've been playing a game online or just in a party chat with someone and I have adjusted my audio chat and my game chat on the fly with two knobs. I can't tell you how great the quality is for this headset. It's it's the best uh, quality I've ever heard. And my mic quality is really good. People can understand yeah. me. I'm, A40 is the wired one. Okay, yeah, so Astra A40s. Uh, I've never once heard someone say that I've had audio problems except once. And that was because when I went mobile one time, I, I, I ripped out my jack from my mix amp and put it in my controller uh, to go in the kitchen or whatever. When I came back, I didn't put it all the way back in the mix amp. It was, so the A50s are wireless for 239 on sale, 299 normal. That's not bad. Uh, th- they're amazing. Yeah, pick they're, that they, they are really good. I believe they're the same drive. Like I believe everything is the exact same. Everything's yeah. just, it's just wireless. wireless. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I use them at PSX. Yes, uh, they had they, a couple of booths that had them, and dude, they are comfortable. Yep. They sound amazing. They work really well. The mix amp is great to be able to actually blend in real time. Yeah, how you adjust want. everything you want on the fly, and that's the closest I can actually say because to me, the only other headset that even comes close to this, but at a much cheaper price point, is ironically enough, and there it's not saying that we're going to get to that. Yeah, <laughs> I, I know. Yeah, because there's a problem with those. No, uh, and there are, but but price. Price to perform, options price possibly, and maybe. performance altogether. I feel like it's the this is the option for people that have the money. So I know what you're going to say. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to recommend an alternative for a hundred dollars. That's the same price, mm-hmm. uh, typically on sale for eighty. But I'll I'll, I'll close I'll close out my statement here because I know we need to get going soon. Um, but it's one of those things that's like I spent two hundred fifty bucks on it. Technically, I spent a little bit cheaper because I ended up using credit card rewards, um, or I used credit card rewards on that transaction to to lower that transaction's cost. And it was one of those things that I've never, ever, ever had an issue out of. I will say, though, if you plan on getting this headset, do not get it if you own a Slim. You cannot use it on the Slim. Because it has an optical. Specifically. Uh, and that optical dude, that makes a, a massive difference when it comes to audio quality. Yes, it does. I never realized how, how good these actually sound. And the things I was hearing in the game... Um, but yeah, so Astro A A40s are one of my favorite, if not my favorite, accessories. But go ahead, go on with your own soda golds because I got some. Rants. Well, you know, here's a. Now you said that you had an, an alternative that you wanted to offer. Yes, and I am curious to see what that is because there's one feature or two features that you cannot do with these. But I think that anybody who's not used to the golds. In terms of the two features that they have, the and, I'll, and I'll features. even give my critiques of the golds on even baseline things that aren't even about the way that it actually works. So there's a couple of things. The first thing is, I think the golds across the board have had a great price to performance ratio with features that you'd want. First things first, if you really don't like the boom arm of a mic, that's one of the problems you're going to have on the A40s and the A50s. Yeah. Their mic is entirely boom arm related, which I don't. I know personally who's don't ever care for them. About that. Oh yeah, I can't stand them. Really? As, as much as I think those headphones are comfortable, the entire time I use them, I never once had the mic down because I do. I don't like things being in my face. It's not in your face. If I don't, I don't have, have to, like, here. like this is already enough for me. Mine but sits, this is different. Mine sits down here where I can't even see it. I don't know. I guess because it's, I, I eat and drink, and depending on what I do, I scratch my beard a lot. I just don't want to think about there being something that's blocking my face. Maybe I'm just so uh, used to while having... While I'm doing something, like, see, this is different. This isn't a setting where the microphone of our face is because the whole point of me doing this is to sit down and do this. If I can get away with something that sounds great on PlayStation or good enough and be fine, that's awesome. Now, my old gold headset, the Uncharted uh, 4 blue-gray ones that I had, um, Perfect. I didn't even have yeah, the situation. There's not, there's not a situation like there is now. What's more weird about that is most people in the original gold headset situation, so if you're not aware of them, the original golds had a hinge design where you could fold them in and carry them around easily. I don't really think that is a very good feature, and I never folded mine once. So because of that, my hinges never wore out. 
So most people gave the headset, and I, I give them this. I give them their, their due. They gave the headset a bad rating, or at least said it wasn't that great because one of the main features was actually to the detriment of the headset, and that was because it would break the hinges, and then you'd have to tape the headset yeah. together. But if you which, if you went into it never wanting that functionality, best headset I've ever owned for PlayStation. So which I far. think I told you about my Phantom Crack, right? Like where I had I had the original Golds, the black ones, and I had them in my closet after I've because I've gone through a lot of headsets. I still have. Uh, uh, Logitech 50 no that's not that's a mouse the Logitech G9 Artemis series but I looked at my closet one day and I was getting I was trying to get something maybe magic cards out or something I noticed there's a crack in my golds just sitting in my closet and I'm like what crushed these I think the last time I took them off I didn't realize I cracked it because there's nothing in my closet I mean, that, that could have been on top of those I have a big head so I find it Me odd too. I, I don't your know how you do your head's big but yeah, honestly yeah. but what my point being is that I, I find it odd that it'd be that easy to do when I never did it and I use my headset a lot I yeah. do all my destiny and stuff um, but that it has great features. You can there's built-in buttons on the headset to automatically blend your party and your audio chat without having to go into the PlayStation's menu. See, because all headsets have the ability for you to go through this, but only because of the system. It's a system-wide level feature where you can go in to your party menu and adjust the audio volume between the game uh, chat and the party chat. And kind of, essentially, it says party chat and non-party chat. Yeah, you can bleed it that way, but it's a slider. Now, if you're in the middle of a game and you want to be able to hear or quickly change one way or the other a game of destiny where like maybe you're in a party with friends and you're doing a mission that doesn't really have any kind of story to it but then afterwards there's a, a cutscene that you want to hear then what you can do is quickly tap the button three times real quickly and bleed left to where almost all the audio from the party is either completely gone or just so quiet that it doesn't matter and i love that feature being able to do it without having to pull a menu up is amazing uh, and it's one of the best things that i think that they've worked out there's other features like the ability uh built in for you to uh have it to where you can actually hear yourself in the mic in real time. Uh, now, other headsets, I'm pretty sure, have this feature, but it's a great feature that I still love about it. And it's essentially, you can turn it on to what severity. There's low, and then there's high, and then there's off. So on off, of course, if you have the headsets on, they have somewhat of a noise cancellation feature where it blocks out some noise. Then there's low, where you can very lightly hear yourself talking, and that's what I keep it on. And then there's high, where if you really need to hear your surroundings, you can do it. I keep mine on low, and one of the reasons I love the feature so much is that as a father and having a kid and a a wife, sometimes they come in when I have both headphones on and they're trying to talk to me and I can't hear them unless I have that feature active. I've learned something. The audio's going to sound crap. Saul's apparently learned something. I've learned something, and that's I hate noise-canceling headphones. Oh, yeah. Most most of them, you can turn the feature off. Those Ars Technica that I was telling you about? Yeah. Or Audio you Technica? You can turn them off. No, ours. Uh, but, yeah, you can. You just hold your hand on the thing. That's and turn why I like the gold so much when I had them is because they had that voice back feature where you could actually hear yourself. Yes. And that was perfect. It and, gave it the illusion of an open back. Well, already being tone deaf and having headphones on, it's very hard to tell if I'm being loud or that's certain a big pronunciations. Thing yeah, so that's the thing is that, like, I can't tell if I'm being overly loud and I'm playing until 1 a.m. See, I'm, I'm sure you're very much like me. Used to, before you that was a feature that you can contend with you do the thing where you have a headphone slightly off, off ear, your ear yeah. yeah every time i played i had to have it so that was a big feature that i loved and there's other small things that you can do there's a uh, game profiles and i actually think this is one of the biggest things that sony did by having the nature of it being their platform and their headset they get da- uh, game developers to actually sit there and create audio profiles for most of the big releases uh and then also generic ones that may help with like shooters and you can just get one that's aimed at shooters and it adds to it, it essentially adjusts the sound of the way the headset 
pulls in audio and gives you audio to be what most shooters would need. And then there's ones that are specific for games where you go into, definitely for the exclusives, that's one of the best things, where if you're playing Horizon Zero Dawn, they go, this is the way we think is best for you to hear this game, and this is the best that this headset can give you. So you go into this app, you click on Horizon Zero Dawn, you say, load headphone profile, and then you can hear that it changes That was a super cool app. I don't think I ever really noticed a massive difference. Oh, I did on, it it depends on the games and what your default was always at. Um, There there were some games that it didn't change much much but it changed there and then there was games where it changed massively gran turismo sports massively and that's important because what you need to hear in that game is vastly different than what you need to hear in a normal game um so i thought that was really cool and it definitely helped whenever i had the headphones on um doing the vr situation yeah um oh actually no nothing about it the v that wouldn't that wouldn't involve with that because the vr box you have to have wired headsets you can't use them wirelessly so that was just because of the fact that the that, game that in vr has to handle 3d audio yeah. so it's probably already set up with them differently but the point being there are games that have big benefits and it was a cool feature if nothing else it's exclusive to their headset and literally no one else is going to get um so that was one of the things my quick before you offer your alternative my quick things that i think are immediately like shouldn't have happened uh if you have a dedicated headset I don't feel like there's any reason that you should have a dongle. I should not have to take up a USB port. Yeah. If you made this headset, you made this console, get, give it Bluetooth and make it a typical Bluetooth connection that does not matter. I will say that the, the Astros have to have a dongle because they have one that goes in the optical, then a USB to power the mix amp. Yes. Which is and, understandable well, because there's a mix amp involved. Also a $300 headset that you're getting because you want the best sound that you can get. Yeah. And the most, but if you're wanting this to be essentially a wireless headset and you're okay and, and you think that the sound quality is good enough, Either way, if you made it, it should be... Okay, a perfect example was PlayStation 3 had other uh, remotes that you could use. Yeah. All of them had dongles, but the PlayStation made uh, entertainment remote didn't well, just, yeah. because it's Bluetooth. Well, that's why... And it was literally made of, we know what this is, we know what this is, bam, you plug it up, we know what it is. That's why you can't turn on the PlayStation with the NACOM or the uh, Astro because there's a dongle. So it does not feature that, like, uh, whatever kind of special chip that the PlayStation has inside yes. of it. The, the and see, and that goes through the same thing. And I actually think that the biggest thing that Sony, if we're going to keep going on that, uh, I guess the rest of the headset thing that we're talking about. So the old headset, of course, had the, the crack thing. That was a point of contention. And I do think that the crack- people giving them... Uh, negative points over a feature that they and it's very similar to what I say with like it goes into what I'm kind of talking about with people who are upset that the Switch Lite doesn't connect to a TV. The whole point of the Switch is to be able to be both. So the whole point of this headset, when when you sell a headset and the whole idea is, hey, we have hinges on this headset, we're going to do it. Fold it. People are going to want to fold it. And if yeah. they fold it and it breaks the headset, people have a right to be like, what the hell? Angry. Yeah. yeah. So when you, you know, it's, it's when you think about those things, it does get to a point where it's like, this is a weird situation that you've put us in by putting a feature out that was obviously not for the betterment of the system. Right. Uh, and then you get to the new model, which is incredibly way more comfortable, actually. I mean, I think that the, the headphones are cushier. They uh, aren't quite as big, so they're not as hot, it feels like. They, yeah. they sit still over your ears and not on your ears, but in a good way. And then past that, um, I think that the new band that does not have feature that it's more padded. It's a solid band with no ability. Well, the new flex. band you can literally just it's very comfortable. Twist it. Yeah, it's it's, it's it, they took the compl- the co- the complaints to heart and fixed it. But for some reason, the head the one I have, which I got from Saul, it matches my fifty million translucent purple. Um, it gets to that point where it's like as much as I love them and they're comfortable and everything, I don't hear it, so it doesn't Dude, phase it's, me. It's the craziest thing in the world. But I haven't heard anybody say. So there's either two things I haven't heard anybody say in a while. So either. 
it's not happening as frequently or nobody cares anymore and they just don't say anything because it's not worth it. Have you uh, have you ever seen like the deep fried memes like when somebody's talking and then all of a sudden it blows their voice out? That's yep. what it is with you except it screeches your voice out. It's very loud and high pitched but it's blown out way too high. Yeah, and, I, and I don't know why it happens. I don't know either. So, uh, I think, and I, that wasn't a problem with the last headset. No. So it's, it probably, it's only this one that I've seen. And I don't even know if it's a problem with all the headsets so take that with a thing of warning. If you're interested in the new golds I would say go ahead and get them. Uh, definitely if you just want them as a primarily a headset over everything and not for communication but for games so it's fun, comfortable fun fact but, uh, you could get the old golds that have the same exact driver in them for like fifty dollars now so yeah. i would rather like if well if, that just depends on whether you're worried fold, about them breaking yeah if you don't fold your headset you should be good unlike me do you, you have kids fold it up and put it in a closet do you have kids i don't because uh, <laughs> if you have kids you don't want the old ones but uh that's true too but I will say that there is a good alternative, and this is where we'll end the show. There's a good alternative for a headset. If you tell me it's the HyperX Clouds, I disagree. HyperX Cloud 2s. Entirely. What do you mean? They're the one of the most highest rated headsets ever for the price point they're in. Now, you may be thinking of the Cloud Core 2s, which are like no, the I 70 No, I hated those. The $70 version Yeah, of those them. were terrible. Yeah, the Cloud Core 2s, are the, they're the most comfortable pair of headphones I've ever worn, other than my Astros. I've actually, for my Dark Souls Let's Play, I literally wore those to monitor my audio. And you said Cloud Core 2? No, HyperX Cloud 2, okay, the Cloud well, Core. So Maybe sure. I did say Cloud Core I think Core you two. said Cloud Core 2. <sighs> no, that's a terrible headset. Um, yeah, these are the ones I was thinking about. Yeah, dude, they're amazing. The only issue with those is that... and. I guess they're kind of intended for this way, but like I wouldn't do it is constantly yanking the mic out. I've not ever experienced it, but I've heard stories that if you, cause the mic is detachable and they have a little plug, you can put it in and wear them as normal headphones. If you constantly yank that mic out and put it back in and yank it out and put it back in, you're going to lose mic quality over the top over, which makes sense. Cause you're disconnecting a 3.5 millimeter jack mic and plugging it in constantly. Don't do that. I still find them comfortable. Biggest oh, thing, dude, the they're biggest, so comfortable. Going back over to me in terms so of, of head size, maybe, maybe I it's because of the head size. I put these on, and maybe it's because of where my ears are in relation to the top well, of my no, head. No, no, no. You dude, put my Cloud Core twos. Those, no, those. No, were I know. I'm not talking about those. Okay. I'm talking about this. Those headset. were waste. I didn't like like those at all. I that's a legit hate. These are. I personally would choose the gold over this. For me, I wouldn't. Uh, to me, the, the I think the golds are more comfortable, too, is I, and I think that the features that you get that the gold has are better. And I, I'm, I appreciate the. I actually didn't know that until you said that. I didn't know that the mic was removable. I'm glad oh, that it is, but it doesn't come to the fact that it's not removable in a sense of if you remove it, there's still a built-in mic, and that's just a better mic if you want to hook it in. That would be. I cool. still go. That would. That might even sway me towards going. Maybe this would be better because if you don't want it, you know. What a lot of people do with these is they buy those and they buy the wireless mod mics and they put the wireless mod mic on those for the best audio from a from a headset mic you can have plus some of the best audio you can get it for a hundred dollars. Also, those things were hot to me and very heavy on my ears. You're weird. You got big old head. That's, I'm gonna talk up to that. Well, dude, head. I'm not. I'm not lying. All headphones that are over the ear make my ear sweat. See, it's just, I guess for that's me, a it's, thing it's that I don't just have. how much. Yeah, the like, golds are pretty minimal. If like I'm being I, honest, when I would play with that, like that's what I use when we play CFEs because that had a um, that had a really really good USB uh, card mm-hmm. that you would attach to it. And it made it just plug in the computer so easy. Plug that in, plug that in. You don't have to worry about plugging in the splitter for the headphone and mic. You could just plug that card in, and then everything was there. Um, now, cheat. I used my PlayStation Golds when we played Sea of Thieves because it works for place. It works for PC. Yeah, perfectly. Yeah, I, I would do that with my Astros now. But um, but <laughs> and back it's then, literally you just plug the dongle in, and it works the exact same way. Back then, I think I was using my Golds. Uh, yeah. But either way, I mean that's my thing. To me, I just, I mean, yeah, if you really just don't like the Golds, but personally speaking from experience. Not long term, I'll give it that. Uh, but yeah, I would say choose the golds over. 
personally. Yeah. So but, why don't you guys let us know uh, what your favorite accessories are for PlayStation, whether you could break them down in categories or you can go and just recommend your most favorite one that we should go out and buy right now. I want and somebody why. else. And I know it doesn't exist because I've already known about it. I wish somebody would come out and tell me that there's a weird controller peripheral for PlayStation 4 because one of the coolest but also weirdest and questionably useful things I've ever seen. I think I may have already talked about it in the podcast, but I know I've told you about it at least. Uh, and that was a controller for the PS1 that, yeah, ban- no. that, that Bandai Namco made. Yeah, no. Uh, or Namco made, actually, at the time. And then they made it for their games, like Ridge Racer and all that. And what it was weird, it had six face buttons on one side. It didn't have an, L, an R2 and an L2. It just had, L, it had left and right. Yeah. And then it had a joint in the middle to where you could just twist the controller. Somebody, and somebody recommend Brett this. I'm sure you could. I'm sure you can find one modded nowadays. Well, I mean, I'm just saying that that was a time period where I think that people were doing really interesting stuff. I think right now it was the, the era of the Nintendo 64. Yeah, and, well, and so and the PS1 with a lot of weird stuff going on. Both things had weird peripherals. Yeah. Uh, from built-in uh, DualShock to peripherals that were plugging in a rumble pack so that you could feel the rumble. Even the Dreamcast had that, which I thought was so weird. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, when you think Revolutionary. about Revolutionary. Well, not really. First, first one was for having rumble on a controller? No, dude. The PlayStation 1. The, no, Dual, the DualShock no. 1 was a PlayStation 1 controller. That did not have vibration in it. Yeah, It's called the DualShock. That, the hold name on. DualShock. Hold on, I'm about to I'm about to teach you the name DualShock, and this is even more. Do you do you remember when the PlayStation Three first launched and didn't have uh, vibration due to that lawsuit that they were that was going on, and the controller was not called the DualShock Three; it was called the Six Axis controller. And then do you remember a year later when they came out with the DualShock Three controller and it had Rumble the DualShock Pack for in? Star Six Sixty Four was the first home instance of vibration. Oh, I thought, hold on, I thought you were talking about the Dreamcast. No. Okay. You even I, said DualShock. No, I said yeah, but hold on. I said Dreamcast, and then you said Revolutionary, because I said even the Dreamcast had no. that. But yeah, you know, either way, you know, yeah, there was I'm about uh, to smack you vibration packs. I think I was you, talking about the play, the Nintendo 64. That controller. makes more sense. Yeah, yeah. that makes more sense. Because sorry, yeah. But let us know what uh, accessories you guys want to recommend us if. Uh, if you have one that's good for us, if you have one that's worth time, or if you have a question about one-on-one we recommend, well, let us know. Like this video on YouTube if you uh, if you enjoyed watching us thoroughly and give us a subscribe, and we, uh, we appreciate that. Check out our Patreon link in the description below. And as always, we'll see you guys back for episode 124. Can we do like a cool outro thing that we start doing that's like essentially the same as Excelsior that we say every time, and then we go to the patrons? Brett, take it to our patrons. Thanks, you guys. Thanks to our patrons, Chad V, Dan Barber, Josh Jarrell, Matthew Green, my name is Dan, Douglas Below, Sean Santarude, Eric McAllister, Matt Sycamore, Shadowist, Stephen Salazar, The Stonard, Travis Below, Eduardo Palomino, Stefan Swanlin, Coy Live, Philip Laguerre, Corey Hickerson, Brian, Donovan Williams, William Digital Spooker, Derek Porter, Josh Ayers, Thomas McKinnis, Brandon Edwards, and Sean One Neo. If you would like to support us, go to the link down in the description below or visit patreon.com slash Thank you.